For me, it was uh, communion wafers, and yeah. uh, I still won't take communion to this day. <laughs> you just bring your own from home. <laughs> yeah. cool. like, uh, sorry, I'm a fan of country white. <laughs> Bacon bits for me, thank you. Oh, I like that. Somebody who like brown bags, they're like, this is this is my Christ body. Yeah. <laughs> my Christ is made of barbecued ribs <laughs> with three sides. <laughs> Serve brisket Christ and brisket Christ on. <laughs> And uh, I use bush light instead of wine. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. And I'm Casey. And we're getting right into it tonight because we don't have a lot of time and we have a lot to discuss. Yeah, we got we're, we're talking about our our absolute favorite uh raven fa- raven-haired rock god, John Cooper. Coop, John Coop de Gras Cooper. <laughs> Coup de Gras, right? I don't know. I'm probably saying all that wrong. He um let's just start off before we even get into what he just recently did. Uh, well, no, we'll just start off with what he recently did. So someone took some, I think it was like a cell phone recording. That's what I saw of him at a show, you know, in his cutoffs. I think he might've still had his like, you know, all the uh, pyrotechnics going off all around him. Like, I don't, maybe it was a winter jam, but you know what he did is uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he declared war against the Christian deconstructionist movement. And he is, he wasn't done. You know, he got a lot, he got a lot of response about that video going around. And so he had to write about it. Only good things happen when John Cooper. By the way, have you listened to his podcast? Cooper stuff? Can you think of a dumber fucking name than (laughs) Cooper stuff? (laughs) Just Cooper Uh, things. Just Cooper things. Yeah. Well, the only thing dumber than that is his merch line. Oh my God. It's it's terrible. The one shirt that he's got says no woke cookies. What does that mean? What is a woke cookie? I, I, it must be an inside joke from his podcast. Maybe Maybe. his audience knows what it means, but like it's, it's in bold block letters on the front of this shirt. Like what happens walking, you know, you walk down the shirt or the street (laughs) in this shirt what like i i imagine we're like the average onlooker that's like woke cookies what does that mean like you can assume that it means something dumb i guess but i don't is cookie pejorative i mean i've always heard like with growing up be like oh that that person's one tough cookie and that doesn't make any sense either is cookie like just like a person i mean why would you i I don't know why he would say that i thought of it like almost in the context of when people are like, what do you want, a cookie? When it's like, oh, you did a good job. Is it okay. like people yeah, also forecasting their sense. wokeness and he's oh, saying he's not gonna he's not gonna give you a cookie for being woke. Oh, he's not gonna give you a woke cookie. I get it. No, there there are no woke cookies. It's not woke apostrophe cookie, a woke cookie. Yeah. Woke okay. cookies definitely have walnuts in them, and I'm I don't know. I don't know if I want a woke cookie. Yeah, I, I something tells me they're like those um, those cookies with a little bit of dog shit in them that we learned about in youth group that make the whole thing terrible. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, like how you lost your virginity. <laughs> you lost your virginity to a little bit of dog shit, Casey? That's interesting. Let's talk to about your this. youth pastor who's waited on <laughs> you to turn 18. <laughs> I can't believe that. I have never seen that post before. So there was a post that somebody sent me this week about, yeah. it's about a youth pastor or youth group leader or something like that. And he's standing next to this girl who looks quite a bit younger than him holding balloons that are in the shape of an 18. And it's like, we waited four years for this day. The eight was supposed to be sideways and the one coming out of it is how it was originally supposed to be. looked like (laughs) (laughs) it. I'm trying to put together this. Dickin balls is what they were doing. (laughs) Oh, okay. Wow. That's, I should have gotten that. We should (laughs) have, but basically the the guy, uh, he, he explains that, you know, this girl has been his best friend since she was 14 and now she's 18 and they can finally get married. Yeah. Is that they, were they getting married? I think so. They're yeah. It's icky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. It does. Uh, like the, I mean, of course that's generally referred to as grooming in most cults. Uh, it's well, the cults don't refer to it as that us outsiders do. So <laughs> for him to be like, look, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was in my twenties, I didn't want to hang out with 14 ever. Like, no, but maybe he just has a heart for the youth. Maybe she's really mature for her age. I'm sure he said, Oh, don't say it. That's definitely something he told a lot of people when he's like, so this is my, well, I don't, he probably didn't call her. Maybe he called her her, his girlfriend. He probably at least waited till she was 16, like a respectable user, but <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like the, the, the rationale though, like, like, no, 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 we we're getting married. It's not grooming. If we get married, like, of course wh- not. wait a second. <laughs> it's not grooming. If it's like uh, an arranged marriage and it's a child bride, you know, then it's just like, then we can call it not grooming and it's still wrong and terribly fucked up, but not grooming this like, okay. You think a 14 year old has like the defined prefrontal cortex to be able to be like, I am legitimately in love with this person. Who's an authority figure. Yeah. It's so bad. Who's supposed to be a spiritual mentor. I'm sure they had a lot of one-on-one Bible study. There's some, I mean, you know, you can't put an age on creepy, I guess, but like there's some real problems with having youth leaders who are close knit with the group that are like a year or two years out of high school. Like there's, there's a possibility of some bad things happening there. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's ripe for foul play. But I feel like there's a million things I, I, this is making me think of, but I'm going to not go off on those rabbit trails for now we can't so we short change cooper we can't we got to get into cooper so now cooper thinks he's an expert on christian deconstruction christian he calls it the christian deconstructionist movement as though it's some sort of christian movement so that's kind of interesting it's like a nefarious like a apostate group or something like that instead of just people figuring their shit out and either staying or not uh so he isn't much of an expert on it uh, because he won't talk to anybody who's doing it. Uh, There's plenty of, I know, I know for a fact that he's been invited with some clout, with some smart ass fucking people like that could really have a conversation and he's not doing it. 
none of those people are doing it. It's really annoying. And, I saw uh, like a, a a commenter on this post that we're about to talk about. A guy just nailed it. He was like, he's like the dude quotes like greatquotes.com rather than having an actual discussion with a person from this community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was one dude on his Facebook. So go to his Facebook and find the post. Don't comment on it. Don't share it. Come on. Like, let's <laughs> don't mean, feed the algorithm machine. Yeah, that's all that's happening right there. But someone made a comment about how he's gaslighting and this. And he said he makes a follow up post, a follow up comment. It's just like, Cooper's people reached out to me and, you know, he was actually addressing just like a, some of the leaders of this and not just the people who are going through it. And now that they clarified it, it actually makes a lot more sense to me. And the comments on that were like, basically, to summarize, you're a bitch. Like, what? Yeah. Thank, thank you for speaking for all of uh, the rest of us, buddy. Like, I would... I'm sure Cooper's people had a lot of great things. That's great. When, when what you say is so dumb and so in response to it, that you actually have a PR team to deal with it. Yeah. Cool. Who's Cooper's people. <laughs> I don't is it know. just like, it's like his bass players kid. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have people. He doesn't have a team. Like, you know, he's got Cooper's like 4 million stuff. monthly Spotify listeners. Okay, great. You're killing it in the Christian rock game for sure. In the regular rock game. Absolutely. But you don't have people. Give me a break. I Yeah, I'm curious to know who these people are. Unless Cooper stuff is now an organization. I don't know. But what is he an expert on? If it's not deconstruction, it's definitely beard oils, maybe exfoliants. Uh, <laughs> beard you know, oils. Way to, I don't know. Go, what's the best dye to keep that, that hair nice, just shiny and black? So, I mean, there's plenty of things he's an expert on that I would... I would read his blog on if he wrote a blog post about beard oils and dye. I'd be like, I'm in for this. I'll read it. I'm, I'm here for all I have to say. Your beard looks, your hair looks great. He's, he looks great. Like he's a good looking guy. I'm not going to He's a good looking guy. What's he like? like? He's got to be close to 50 now. Yeah. The guy's holding on. He's in shape. If he wants to write about any of that stuff, I'm, I'm here for it. If it's Christian deconstruction, just find your own goddamn bitch. So let's get into it. So I, I look, I, I wrote down more than I should. Uh, so we'll just get through what we can in the time that we have. But uh, I didn't want to just read it from start to finish and pick it apart as we go. So I wrote down a bunch of the quotes that I thought were worth talking about. And I ended up writing down my article. So we'll, that's fine. We'll figure out what we can and can't fit in. But to start. Oh, shit. And he's, now I got it. He starts off the article by, uh, by painting a picture for us. Of two different uh, scumbag dudes that are hitting on his wife. The first one just barges up to her on the street and forcefully embraces her and tells her she's hot and asks her if she wants to go somewhere with him. Like He says, just, hey, honey, why don't you leave that dope and get with a real man? Should I be jealous? The good The kind, good kind. Not the bad kind. <laughs> absolutely what the fuck is the good or bad kind? what does it even mean the good kind of should i be Godly jealous jealous righteous jealousy i mean why is jealous what's what's wrong with the feeling of jealousy it doesn't that's not even necessarily a bad or wrong feeling i don't understand i think why he's he, like i would be jealous because i own my wife not yeah. because <laughs> i feel insecure <laughs> yes that's it dude this guy all i got out of like reading all right, well, so let's talk about the second guy first. 
because some okay the second guy he goes uh then he says imagine a second scenario where some dude dms my wife these are some damn these are some bad and he says i'm sorry to be like someone dms my wife and says i'm sorry to be so blunt but i need to tell you that i think you're absolutely beautiful you are perfect and i wonder if your husband even gets i don't mean to pry but you deserve better i'm always here if you need someone to talk to should i be jealous the good kind absolutely yeah well first off i should read for audible i, I know that I second guy that and just 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 know if you're the second guy everyone hates you yes okay but that's was... apart from this article this is this is a separate issue if you're the dude doing that don't do that stop doing that everyone hates you yeah I, that was one of the first thoughts i had i'm like well your your wife has an internet presence and she gets dms from people i've seen you and i have collectively looked at some of their dick reviews or their uh, requests yeah. for dick reviews and exactly we know what's coming in how jealous are you and i want to preface this the good kind not the bad kind just know okay look if you're not if you're not familiar with this we touched on this in the past episode. so my wife is like a social media personality and has an only fans and she does get a lot of messages for people from dudes being like will you rate my penis yeah <laughs> Just know that if you send that to my wife, I'm the one who's going to look at it. <laughs> and I I'm will gonna... give you a fair rating. Fair. You, dude, you are a fuck. You are the the Solomon of dick reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I take it seriously. In I that do. you put them in half and then you let people decide which half they want. People don't appreciate the kind of work that like the prep work that goes in to to becoming an objective uh judge of of penises so i mean yeah. i i don't need to explain it here but just know like this is something i'm passionate about and uh you know I, i'm willing to put in the footwork to give they, you the review deserve you deserve know. yeah the people deserve to know <laughs> if you're genuinely reaching out and you want to know honestly i i think you're a better judge anyway i think you could really like you know yeah i mean yeah. i've mostly only ever seen one from like a top-down view it's always but, the top down. They never, they never like put the camera underneath and and shoot up. No, that's mm. not flat. See, angle has a lot to do with <laughs> the rating you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I digress. Moving on. <laughs> so those are the two types of people. Both of those scenarios are really dumb, horrible analogies for deconstruction. I don't understand. So, but I don't really even. I know what his connection is. Is that some people are just like in your face about it, and some people. Some people are Christopher Sneaky Hitchens. Some people yeah. are, uh, you know, the average, basically progressive Christian or progressive person that's left Christianity recently that are are yeah. trying to come across as like non-judgmental and, and more than happy for you to exist in whatever way that you want to exist, which I think I think we fall into tier two. I think you definitely do. I feel like he called you out specifically. Oh yeah, his, he does uh, not like. He doesn't like people like me. No, I'm I'm worse for him because I still I'll still throw around the Christian card. You know. Yeah, you still pretend to be one. Yeah, when it's convenient. even though everyone knows you're not one. I, I'm a lot like the Apostle Paul when he like is like he. I don't know if you ever got these messages, but it's like, look, it said you know we're not we're not people of this earth, but when it was convenient for Paul, he threw around that he was a Roman and people were like, Oh, you're a Roman. I do that with Christianity. That's kind of, you know, 
how I hold on to it. But, oh, it's convenient for me. Just throw it out. You play the Christ card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he, he does go on to say that this is an epidemic. So it's like worse. I mean, the, the worst thing about it is like we've gone through an epidemic. Not that look that, that not a real one. That one was pretend uh, and it didn't exist to him. But this is the real epidemic. And masks can't save you from this one either. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the premise: is like there's this group of deliberately seductive, outwardly progressive people who, in fact, want to lead you away from your Christian faith. That's what they want. They claim that they accept you in every form. You know that you're you know more than welcome to be a Christian or whatever, but. Their ultimate goal is to help is to lead you away from traditional Christianity. Yeah. And he he wrote this because someone reached out to him. Why are you so brazen with your words? I'm sure that was followed by a brother. Brother, why are you so brazen? I, that's his personality type. If brazen was a personality type, it, it, that just just look at John Cooper. You'll have a, a pretty good idea. So one of the things that he says in it is uh talking about all these liberal deconstructionist people, he says they often do this by making videos of why the Bible isn't reliable or why the God of the Bible is immoral, mean, or bigoted in some way. They mock, either aggressively or subtly, going back to his analogy, right? Aggressive and subtle. Uh, those who still adhere to the beliefs that the Bible is the unchanging word of God. They seek out aggressively or subtly people who are struggling, sad, questioning or having a bad day oh my god yeah um let's, yeah I, let's 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 camp on that for a second i think what was it like a week ago we were talking to a guest and i was talking about like my grandpa's funeral how they read like two sentences about who my grandpa was and then the guy launches into yes. a big sermon about like you know oh if you die today on the way home you know Oh, this guy dead in a casket really makes you think about eternity, doesn't it? If you died on the way home, do you know where you'd spend it? Like nobody, nobody should seek out anyone who's hurting or questioning or just insecure at the moment. And, and that's one thing that you can say about uh, aggressive evangelicalism is that it doesn't do that. It doesn't prey (laughs) on people who are in a moment of, of vulnerability. That's literally their, which the irony of that being their MO is like, one, could you say, like, could you, I mean, that's the epitome of like, I don't, I don't like when they say negative things about what I believe. Like, you're just being such a whiny baby because that's literally, that's, that is the MO of evangelicalism. And what that's kind of, I, that would be a lot of movements motivation and be like, Hey, the things are great over here. Come check it out. I don't think a lot of people are all that interested in proselytizing, including evangelicals, because I knew them. I was one. And you're not going out of your way to tell everybody about Jesus Christ all the time. So not that everyone is like all about that. But when you look at it from a hierarchical perspective and the way things can be co-opted, like funerals or weddings, um, it can get weird like that. I, I mean, my wedding, I don't know if yours was like, my wedding, I don't like thinking about and i will never watch the video of because <laughs> it felt like 45 thinking back on it, it felt like 45 minutes of like of trying to convert everyone to christianity and there was probably like five people in the back 
that weren't Christians and they were my friends uh, and maybe some of my, my extended family. Just and like, your fly was down. Yeah. <laughs> but it made me think of like this week uh, we had someone post a video from uh, Mark Driscoll in the discord. Uh, and I don't know if you looked at it, but him doing this whole thing on like some people just talking about like, I don't know, genocide in the old Testament, God commanding people to kill a bunch of people. He's like, some people say that if you do that, that's not love. Well, it's in the Bible and the Bible says God's love. Therefore, whatever God said is love. These people just want to come to the Bible with a pair of scissors and cut out everything that they, no, we know what love is. And we know it's not selectively choosing who lives and who dies based on uh, whether or not some people may or may not kill somebody. If you're an all powerful God and you have the ability to thwart that without forcing one group of people to massacre another people. So I think that just is like he, he like Cooper is doing this goofy ass thing that I think everyone else is like, oh, you just want to make the, the Bible immoral or mean or bigoted. No one's trying to make it that we're, we're reading the words on the page and we're saying this is what it says. So either it's infallible and this is exactly what God said and it's bigoted and problematic or there's something else going on. And you can still maintain your belief in a higher power and let that influence and, and you can point your life in a direction that you think reflects the, the beauty of that de deity or idea or concept. But you don't also have to drag along with you the weight of excusing genocide and mass murder. And that's 100%. something that Cooper has a problem with, apparently. He, does, he can't wrap his mind around the fact that people like me could still say they're Christian and want to shed that and not have to justify it. it's so strange it is it is and it's like this is one of the directions that a person turns when they hit a point where they have to start making their own decisions like you're not in your parents house anymore uh you're not forced to go to church and all of a sudden like you're having to reconcile with like all of these things that were out of you you know you just look were there kids who examined this stuff in at the age of 14 while the rest of us were just kind of gobbling it up yeah i'm sure there's tons of those for for a lot of us i think it was like this is the way things are and i'm buying into it 100 percent because that's yeah. what makes sense to me right now like and i think that one so of the ways that questioning it it's worth me like that people who are more fearful or considered existential um Pun, I don't know who considered punishment, eternal punishment. That that was. I feel like that floated around our minds maybe a little more than some people's who maybe weren't as concerned with consequences. And a lot of this, like questioning the Bible and stuff, I think part of the reason that this is such a problem for the evangelical movement now is because they overplayed their. They leveraged too much yeah. of the Bible's message to to keep people in. You know, because what was sold to me, what was told to me, and what was taught to me, and what a lot of people still believe is that the Bible is the infallible word of God and that you have to accept every word of it and take a literal translation of it. And to throw out one thing is to throw out all of it. And so, like, I mean, I've used the analogy a thousand times, but like when one thing fell apart for me, it was like pulling out the bottom brick and the whole wall started to fall apart. And you don't have to believe that in order to be a Bible believing Christian. Like you don't have to take that route. That's the route that like current day evangelicalism is selling. But 
be, they've created this problem for themselves where like you have to accept that God in his righteous wisdom ordered the genocide of an entire culture or group of people, kill all their animals, kill all their children, you know, et cetera, multiple times over. Like you have to accept that that's righteous and that's perfect and that's God's love because to question that is to question everything. Jesus dying on the cross, him talking about treating your neighbor as you want to treat yourself. Like all of that is thrown into question because of the way that they've sold this viewpoint. And a lot of people, you either go, you go in like one of three directions. Either you go in the way that, you know, that I'm most familiar with, which was you start having problems with one of these doctrines. You decide that you just can't live with it and you toss it. And then all the rest of it starts to crumble because that's what the entire worldview was built on, right? You go the direction of somebody who's like, uh, you know, the guy that says, hey, look, I don't know. I don't know why that's, I don't know what to make of that particular scripture or God's commandment in that scripture. I'm really not sure, but I'm still a, I'm a Christian and I believe in God and I believe in the Bible. And I think that, you know, it's, it's his, you can go that route. You can say, I don't understand this and that's okay because I still believe in the rest of it. That is valid, right? Or you do what Cooper's done and you just buckle down and you become the caricature of the like entrenched Christian that is being uh, bombarded by, you know, arrows from the world, from their attacks, you know? Yeah. And uh, look, I, I, and I hear what he's saying uh, about, you know, the way that, though, they just prey upon people having a sad day. I'm just glad that, you know, you're, like you said, Christianity has, they've done, they've done that their fair share. They, they'll co-opting funerals, whatever. Uh, but, you know, I'm just glad that John Cooper gets to maintain his credibility because he's certainly never you know, gone all out on stage with a really cool cut off Christ is King T with glitter hand cannons strapped to him with pyrotechnics going off in the back doing this William Wallace scream with the glitter shooting everywhere and, and captivating people and hitting him and getting this heightened emotional state uh, like, like a worship band might maybe he wouldn't do something like that. So I'm glad that he's just, I'm glad that he's staying on the straight and narrow and not trying to like prey on people's emotions and get them into these heightened state, declare war on something gatekeep. You know, I'm glad he's not like that. So I think at least one thing's going for him. It's that he's a reasonable person. He's, he's not being a hypocrite. That's what. Right. Yeah. You know, I remember back in the day, like when we were talking about abortion, you know, when I was younger and, and in the community still and stuff. Um, I remember once in a while, somebody would get real about the idea of like discussing abortion. And they would say, look, um, this is a fundamental disagreement. Okay. If you disagree on whether or not that like fertilized egg in, in a woman's belly is a person, a human life, or it isn't. You know, then there's if if you don't think that's a human life, then there's really no point in having the rest of the debate, right? We have a fundamental disagreement, and there's just no reconciling between the two sides. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's a good argument, right? But that was kind of the 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 pitch on abortion was like you're either in or you're out. 
you're either pro-life or you're an abortionist or something like that. I think yeah. that this is a continuation of that same logic where it's like all things are just and honorable and, and valid in pursuit of like spreading the gospel, protecting the Christian message. You can do that at all costs because it is the truth. It's the only truth. And anything that leads you in a different direction is wrong and, and, you know, of the devil and to be like, I, I don't know, de declared war on, you know? Yeah. And, but you can also, the way that he, he defines terms to like kind of set up that juxtaposition, like you're talking about the way it's just like, it's this or that. And so he, he goes in to talk about like, well, I'll, let me give you my definition of deconstruction or let me break down two yeah. ways you can look at deconstruction. And you're like, after you read them, you're like, that's, that's not, you don't get to like, make up the term, redefine it, decide what it is for you or what a good way to do it or bad way to do it is, and then pit them against each other. So that's the only, the only option. So he says like, it, you know what it is, is that gospel coalition tactic that we've talked about. Um, that guy who wrote that article about what we had talked about, the, whatever, the four or five types of deconstruction. I don't even remember what it was, honestly. Yeah. It's already slipped my mind. It's just like, you're, you telling people that that's what they're experiencing doesn't make that what they're experiencing. And then, you, and when they tell you, no, no, that's not it. And you go, well, you know what, actually that still does fit into one of these categories. So clearly everything does fit into this. And like, no, well, this is what I'm going through. He's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and put that in category three, because that to me sounds like category three. You're like, yeah, but it sounds not. to me like you're looking for street cred. <laughs> so <laughs> Cooper breaks it up into like the, the way that, you know, that, Oh, the gospel coalition version of there's a good way to deconstruct, which is, uh, you know, you know, I'm a good Christian and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to read scripture like I've never read it before. It's going to be fresh and new and the spirit's going to guide me through it. And then there are people who read it and they don't come to the same conclusions of me. And clearly the spirit's not with them and they don't give the Bible any more credibility than any other religious text or even a TikTok. And all of a sudden he had to throw that in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's his way of trying to discredit it. And that's so pathetic because yeah. trying to say that you can, the, the right way to deconstruct is to do it the way that we think with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that like basically his entire litmus for whether or not you are reading the Bible properly and that the Holy Spirit is with you is if you read it the exact same way he does and comes to the exact same conclusions. Otherwise it's of the world and you're only it's, concerned about lining yourself with the world. It's it's all about the endpoint. Like the validity of your spiritual journey, quote unquote, is where you end up. If you end up a Bible believing fundamentalist Christian, your spiritual journal journey is is valid and good. And it was a it was a powerful thing that was right. that helped you. If you end up anywhere else, it's invalid and you were misled and and seduced by whatever TikTok influencers, whatever he would call it. What's funny about that is that you know, it's like, John, you are, you're an influencer. Like he's you're doing the exact same thing. You're selling a different version of the exact same. But thing. he's right, Casey. God damn it. He's right. That's what it comes down to. And that's, you know, so much of, so much of every disagreement that draws a lot of debate in society right now is like your predetermined notion of what is right and what is wrong. And, you know, it, there is one valid truth, and that is that, uh, you know, evangelical version of Christianity 
And anything that deviates from that is wrong. And it's not just a bad idea. It's an assault on the truth. Yep. It, he, I mean, it's just that I, when I was a kid, I, I remember watching these Francis Schaefer. Did you know Francis Schaefer? Does that name ring a bell to you? Sounds familiar. He was a philosopher. Um, he was, yeah, he was a philosopher. Now, maybe he had some things. I, it's hard for me to parse out what he might have said that was reasonable and what wasn't. I don't, I don't know anymore, but he had this video series called How Should We Then Live? And it's basically just talks about absolute truth. And if there's no absolute truth, then how can you know anything? And I, I find this, the irony of these conversations about absolute truth is like, if you go, this was the quip, right? If you're like, look, I don't think there is absolute truth or whatever that is. I don't think there's a way for us to ascertain absolute. They would say, are you absolutely sure about that? He's like, oh, you got me. Like it also like conversations. So that's kind of what, what Cooper is doing is just like one of the things he says in this article, he says, therefore true deconstruction. So when he's talking about these def- definitions of deconstruction and that like you can, you can read the Bible with a new lens and through the spirit, or you cannot agree with me and be basically not the, be in the devil. Therefore true deconstruction leads to rejecting absolute truth, which is the core tenet of postmodernism. I fear that the term deconstruction is being manipulated to soft pedal something into the faith that we should not allow. And it's like, no, no one's doing, no one's soft peddling deconstruction. This isn't a Christian movement. This is just something that people are doing. This is just something that is happening. No one's trying to like sneak it in nefariously and start this new shit and fuck your shit up, dude. Like, cause he, I mean, all he, he ends up getting on what I don't, I don't know. I have time to get to the rest of what I've written down about it, but he ends up talking about like, what do we do with this kind of stuff? We can't allow this. We can't. That's why you declare war on it. We have to destroy it. We can't allow it in our faith circle. So when he's having this conversation about the uh, the rejection of absolute truth and that that's what postmodernism is and that they're trying to sneak that into the church and we can't allow it, bitch, that's why people are fucking leaving, you dumb shit. Like you just told everyone who's thinking about this stuff that they're not welcome because those yeah. questions, aren't allowed fuck off like you end the conversation for yourself when you well and cooper talks a lot about like cancel culture and you know that it's it's kind of an old joke at this point that like evangelicalism is the original cancel culture (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you know and i think the basis of all of this type of thinking whether you're talking about uh christians trying to get marilyn manson taken off of the radio or you know, whatever else, you, you know, you, there's an infinite examples right now, like trying to like declaring war on something and trying to shut it down. Hate my girlfriend and I'm still having a really hard time with that. So if we could maybe not bring up. More <laughs> in the future. He's not the best example anymore, <laughs> is he? <laughs> um, you know, regardless, like the the impulse is the same, regardless of what the what the person trying to do is or what the person is trying to do that's thinking it. It's, I'm smart enough to look at all of these different things and come to the correct conclusion, but other people aren't. So I have to protect them from this message. We have to declare war on whatever we're talking about. It's all the same. It's all the same. It's, I'm smart enough to be right about this in spite of all the outside input, 
but everybody else is dumb. So I have to protect them from this information. And that is a stupid impulse, regardless of what issue you're talking about. And John, you're doing the exact same thing that you argue about on your podcast and stuff like that. You know, you talk about like how dumb people are for trying to cancel Joe Rogan or whatever else. Like you're doing the exact same thing. We have to declare war on this. We have to destroy it, shut it down because our community is not strong enough to withstand the arguments. That's what you're saying. You know, and, and it's frustrating to watch the double speak on this crap over and over and over again. Yeah, because he goes on to like he shit on like the ex-Christian influencers that are, oh, they're just trying to make a quote unquote space for people who have questions because they just like, like that's, that's, he, he makes it sound so nefarious. And it's like, but he had just said previously in his article that I'm not interested in making that space for people. He just fucking declared a holy war on it. And there is so much double speak. It, it, it's because they're trying to kind of do that same thing. Like, well, look at these people. They're trying to provide a space. They're trying to provide a space, a safe space for you woke cookies right you uh need that <laughs> you woke cookies you can't crumble <laughs> you'll crumble under the pressure but but what's he doing i mean he's just he and again i mean we've talked about gatekeeping a lot it's it's the same thing it's like people who who already have those you know proclivities towards his mindset you're like oh, okay oh this is our space and they love that they love that like that that type of language like find like a, a um a more lefty kind of person who who's left Christian. Like he makes it sound like, okay. And they, these people do exist uh, not to just like act like everything he's saying is 100% insane. It's more like 90% insane. So, right. But there are people who exist that are very extreme. They're like, all of this is awful. Come with me. This is, it's better over here. Look, but he shouldn't really get mad at that either. Um, because that's what he's doing. Like, but he's right. Exactly. And you can only get mad at it if you're that right. And Everybody is selling something. Everybody is selling something. Okay. That's one of the funny things that you learn. It like, especially, you know, I've been in sales for a long time. Everyone is selling something, whether they mean to or not. Like you, when you're having a conversation with a stranger, you are selling a version of yourself that you like, Right. This is what I think people want to hear, and this is what I feel represents me, and so I'm pushing this notion to this person. It's not wrong. It's what everybody is doing all the time. It's just that when we start talking about religion or politics or whatever it is, like the, the, the salesman tends to look at their role as a person communicating truth and everyone else selling lies. You know, yeah. that's... That's evangel evangelicalism, like evangelizing is selling Christianity. Yeah. And, and, and they, to look they, at anything else as like anything less, you know, or different than what you're doing is is ridiculous. But it's all validated because you you have the truth. You're selling the truth. Everything else is. And, and, they, and they look at their sincerity of belief as like the, the reason for its correctness. And I think that's what's tough about evangelicalism because we understand that people are trying to sell something if someone i'm not going out of my way to tell people what i think and bring them into my camp anymore i feel like i've you say on a podcast that. i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah with someone who disagrees with me so that's why this balances out but i think i i guess 
but that that like but we know what we know is the truth and everyone's going to hell if they don't believe this and that's why the stakes are like they their sincerity of belief in that is is what they think makes it more valid but having a sincere belief in a horrible outcome it philosophically anymore and that's what i think is very frustrating about people john cooper is i don't think I don't think he can be that dumb. I can't imagine he hasn't had conversations on the road with people from other bands that don't think the way he does. I can't imagine he's totally in the complete dark about all of this. And that's what makes me feel more frustrated with people like him who have been, I mean, I guess most of his concerts have probably been at winter and shit. Like, I shouldn't even say most. He's done that. He's done the Christian circuit a bunch, but I know he's had outside influences and conversations. I bet if you hang out with him, if you're another one of those, if you're he's on tour with a non-Christian butt rock band and they're all hanging out, I bet he's fine. I bet he's not being a total dickhead to them or talking to them about Jesus 24-7. I'm, because that's not sustainable. People aren't really like that. He's probably a little abrasive. He can probably get a little overwhelming. But to, to act and write the way he does, about and to not have an understanding to almost act like i just for him to write this with seemingly so little understanding of it is what's particularly frustrating it doesn't make sense that you've that what you're saying can't match what i imagine your experience to be which must mean you have your head in the sand and you're choosing you're just choosing to not listen to people um i I think that's what drives me i want there's two other i feel like we should wrap this up there is two other things i want to talk about but probably just going to leave one off. And I think the most imperative thing that we get into before closing this conversation out is this, this is so important. Incredible. This is so important. Incredible. What is it you're going to say? Let's say it, uh, <laughs> one word on the count of three. We'll both say the first, the word that comes to our mind that makes us think of what, that of what we think I'm going to say. Okay. Or what you think, but I know anyway. one, okay. two, three, reptilians what the fuck oh (laughs) my bad wrong direction he compares deconstructing to choosing to no longer brush your teeth in college it's just his exact he was he was oh for two you know until we got to the end on um on examples and now he's over three yeah it's it's a it's a reject like he compares so his his analogy is that his daughter is going off to college and he hopes she's going to make good decisions and do all this stuff and continue to brush her teeth. But maybe she decides that brushing her teeth is ridiculous and that it's some sort of backwards notion that props up. It, he dumb, name drops a lot of things like uh, patriarchism and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he goes with all the buzzwords. <laughs> So basically, oh, like it's maybe what the reign of cultural hege- hegemonic powers preferred, and so they declared it good. Yeah, which is such a ridiculous example. But his his point in this is to say that like ancestral knowledge and teaching just is ancestral? valid all on its own. <laughs> it might be in his case. I don't know. <laughs> But it's valid on its own. And like sometimes you just need to trust that your parents and your grandparents and people that are smarter than you are right. And that stuff that doesn't make sense makes sense and just go along with it. That's more or less what I gathered from it. Yeah. And completely forget that one of these things in the analogy is scientifically proven to make a difference for your dental hygiene. It's Uh, commonsensical. Connected to Western patriarchal colonialism. And uh, the other one is uh, a worldview. 
with no basis in science or fact. It's just an idea about the world. You can it might be true or might not be, but it's um and the and it might definitely not be in the way that he thinks it is. But brushing your teeth, sure. Can I just sum like? Let me just point to a different post that like this. This should be a nice thing, right? But it's not. Okay, and this is this is this is how you like sums up a person who is not just a a true believer, but is like 100 percent totally bought in to the point where everything else is nonsensical and stupid and everyone's dumb. But you he has a quote with his wife and it says hashtag marriage Monday. Honest question for all of the musicians, activists and others who want Spotify to act against quote-unquote, dangerous misinformation. When are you going to call out all the artists who claim that sexual liberation brings freedom and joy? That is a lie. For proof, see skyrocketing rates of suicide, suicidal ideation, depression, declining marriage, declining birth rates, divorce, abortion, depression, crime, prostitution, pornography, sex trafficking. Hashtag Cooper stuff. He's a fucking megalomaniac. Dude, I just want to throw my phone through the window. This is awesome. We need a whole other episode to talk about each one of those. Liked by Finn McKenty. What are you doing, Finn? (laughs) (laughs) I saw it. I'm like, what are you? Man, come on. What am I looking at? (laughs) Feeling suicidal? Are you sexually liberated? Yeah, mm. a huge problem right there. Maybe there's a connection there. I'm not a doctor, but you know, I could put two and two together. Yeah, let's ignore like I don't know, tons of other things like the the exceptionally high suicide rates for uh, young gay teens because people like John Cooper and their bullies. But let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about any of the things that he said. Let's just say them. And then blame sexual liberation for all of that. It's so fucking insane. Maybe our veterans are just sexually liberated and that's the root of their of their suicide. It's got to be. I don't I can't imagine it being from, you know, watching horrific deaths and having it all be for something, you know, that wasn't worth fighting for. But, you know, that's just one perspective. Uh, Anyway, our guest. uh, Go ahead. Yeah, this is not a lighthearted tie in, but. Uh, for more on the effects of war and veteran, you know, the stuff that veterans go to. And we have a uh, a, a great show for next week, right? Next week is. Uh... Yes, that'll be next week's. OK, so you got to You got to listen to next week's. It's it's a uh, it's great. It was a tough conversation just because of the gravity of it. But like it's it's huge. It's huge, yeah, especially at a time where like. I feel like our media is kind of like stoking the fires of like, you know, warmongering and things like that. Anyways, let's talk about this week's guest because this is a fun one. So our guest this week is comedian Walker Glenn. He's a stand-up comedian in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, He hosts a a great comedy night at a local shop there and and just a an all-around great guy so we met him through our mutual friend christian nightmares which is all the introduction you need i mean that's uh (laughs) if christian nightmares puts a stamp of approval on somebody they're a great person that's that's proved to be the case 100 percent of the time we should get an overlay for our episodes of people that are like christian nightmares like a little opaque stamp over them i think that's like uh 
it's like when you look at your tidy whities tag and it says like inspected by inspector number 97 you <laughs> know you it's good you know that pete and oh pete you did oh my yeah. god dude that's what i think of every time <laughs> nobody knows that reference i'm so <laughs> inspector i don't remember the number but he built the he was like building houses out of chicken bones and stuff yeah. oh my god uh, all right without further ado walker enjoy glenn. our conversation with walker glenn Hey, everybody. We're back with our guest, Walker Glenn. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, Walker. Yeah, thank you for having me. Dude, I'll, um, I, multiple times between emails and stuff, I've almost reversed your name, and I'm sure you get that a lot. It happens all the time. I, uh, I cut to the chase a lot quicker now um, because <laughs> there was one time where I was a, a younger man and I went to the bank and they were like struggling to find my account for about 35 minutes before I just finally ventured a guess of, <laughs> are you, are you looking up? My name is Glenn Walker. And it, that was in fact it. It's fun. Cause you could, if you say, especially in a place like that, where it's like you go to a bank, some people might expect you to give your last name first. Sure. And when it's confusing, you'll sit there for 35 minutes while they sift through accounts and think you're I trying know. to steal. What kind of an asshole, though, just does, like, I mean, the only association I could think of with that is, you know, James Bond. And I feel like it really takes a special kind of arrogance to just be like, yes, I am here to withdraw $25. The name's Glenn. <laughs> Walker Glenn. <laughs> and that guy in the other end's actually so committed to the idea that your last name couldn't be Glenn, that he didn't even bother asking over 35 minutes. He's just like... <laughs> There's no chance. I will not ask that question. I'm going to stand firm. Dude, there's so many prospective country singer, like upstart country singers that wish their name was Walker Glenn instead of like Tim Goldstein. <laughs> they, always, they always change it to something like real folksy sounding. And then you sure. find out later that it's, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers or something like that. You know, oh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is a good country singer name, though. Yeah, I guess you could pull that one off. Good football That's, player name too, I think. Is I was going to say, player? isn't that a very famous person? <laughs> <laughs> Casey that doesn't a, know a lot. There's of a sports. there's an association in there, I guess, is lurking around in my brain. Clearly, I don't either. I think he's the one who he's dating. Uh, what's her name? Shailene Woodley, right? And is like, and publicly been in trouble for being anti-vax. Is that Aaron Rodgers? That that the publicly in trouble for anti-vax thing sounds familiar. Yeah, because um, is he is he a, one of those is he one of the Christian footballers? Is that his uh, deal? I think he I don't know. We be shouldn't be talking about sports on the show. We probably shouldn't be talking about sports. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's amazing how quickly we steered into really choppy waters. I sound like my mother being like, "Isn't he dating that girl from <laughs> that little that little liar show?" <laughs> big little liars like three minutes in let's just all fall onto a topic we know nothing about. that's a great way to start this off. <laughs> just mark an edit point down and <laughs> so walker you're uh you're on the you're out are you out in la where are you no i live in oakland california oakland i don't know california geography so well i'm in the bay area you know 10 minutes 10 minutes away from san francisco okay and you are you born and raised out there or did you relocate? 
I've relocated. I, um, but I'm from, no, I'm so the Bay area is in the Northern half of California and I'm from a small kind of mountain town, a couple hours from here originally, uh, a town called Grass Valley, California. Grass Valley sounds plain. Rural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's every bit as exciting of a place as it sounds like it is. Someone walked up there and was like, well, there's grass and it's a valley. So yeah. I guess our work's cut out for us. Where do we yeah. build our first church? <laughs> yeah. I mean, California is, uh, is a lot more maybe rural than people think it is. And, you know, big swaths of it are a lot more conservative than people think it is. It's kind of like, you know, the Bay Area and Los Angeles are holding it down and keeping it blue, basically. It's so wild when you look at the when you look at maps of like that are color coded. And I mean, it really does boil down I mean, most areas. It boils down to cities and then the rural area. And I think right. it's like it, it's I find it so mind boggling that the way it all works, electoral college wise and stuff. Not that we really need to go down this road, but it's just when let's you get look back at to the football, football, when you get, yeah, let's talk about football because <laughs> politics isn't working out either. No, but when you look at these like densely populated areas and the numbers of people and then versus how much it like decision making legislatively affects people across the country, but how centralized everyone is, it just is obviously a mess. And that's how obviously we have the problems that we do right now. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so you so did you was it? Uh, so I'm guessing you grew up rural conservative town, Christian upbringing. I mean, tell us a little bit about your, your, uh, your growing up experience. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in, yeah, a, like, you know, I mean, it's rural, but it's like a town, you know? So I, 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 I wasn't on a farm or anything like that. Lest people, you know, have, uh, an image of me as a person who knows how to use any kind of tool or do anything with my hands or, you know, anything like that. It was just small town living. And I grew up in um, one church that was like a non-denominational, non-denominational small church in the area and um, like big extended family. A bunch of them went there. It was probably like maybe like at any given time, about like 200 people at the church and you know, uh, the Bay Area was kind of always like the nearest destination of culture. So this is where I ended up when I was around uh, 19 or so. But until then, was just pretty much in that community, in that environment. How many of those 200 people were, th- were within like 10 years of their imminent death? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I think it was more like... The, uh, I think for a lot of people, it was more of a safe haven from death because like, I kind of look back on it and, you know, there were certainly a lot of squares, but there was also a lot of people kind of passing through with seemingly little else to lose and had kind of (laughs) (laughs) ended up there. I mean, I like maybe the one joke in my act where I talk about being raised Christian is, uh, we had a lot of what I refer to as the meth to Jesus pipeline. 
you have some familiarity with that trajectory i would guess you know yeah i mean any youth event testimonies yeah awesome testimonies (laughs) those are good testimonies (laughs) it's so perfect for youth events yeah not to mention the scars like jesus you know (laughs) (laughs) they're better testimonies than the ones that are like about how you know uh like how somebody almost had sex once yeah. I, there was a couple that taught at my church. They were they were a part of our youth group like leadership team for a while and they were so strange. It was like they were just sort of trying on like a Christian identity like we're a family now. And the, we go over to their house one night and the guy starts in on like his life story and he'd really never done anything. He was in financial something or other, you know. And his whole thing was like, it was kind of like a humble brag. Yes. He's like, you know, I thought that uh, when I bought a a Hummer, I thought that I would (laughs) feel like I was there, like I was content. And he has like, it's always going to be an object lesson. So he has like a toy Hummer. Oh. And he passes it around. Like we're all, (laughs) yeah, we've seen your Hummer. Like, what do you, and and to say that the Hummer didn't. We pulled up. Yeah. Yeah. Like to say that the Hummer didn't complete you and then you but you still have it <laughs> like, right. it's just a weird thing to do and he's like i i thought that my you know when my portfolio reached a million dollars i thought mm. that that would make me feel complete like i had done it you know and he had like paper like fake paper money he was okay. so rich he gave you guys real money he's just like tossing out <laughs> yeah it was just so weird it was like four things like that and and all of us, even back then, were like, this isn't working, man. <laughs> you keep saying he's weird, and it was weird to me. It sounds like you're just describing a very cool man being very cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Cool guy club. That's, I love the idea, too, that he's just like, all right, these fucking idiots can't like picture a Hummer. So what I'm going to have to do <laughs> is bring a miniature version of the car that you can all see is parked 30 yards away from me. You're going to hold that and you're going to think about what if this was a big car? It was so awkward that it was almost like it was some assignment that they got at their improv class or something like go be a youth pastor for two months, you know, (laughs) like Barry, just some like (laughs) showing up, trying to be someone who's not. not Maybe this like a deleted, like Sasha Baron Cohen character, you know, or something. They they cut it for time. (laughs) (laughs) I also love that. uh, It's a clear, like, like who wants to sit around a room and try to impress a bunch of teenagers. That's so strange. Like the mentality of the person who's like, wants to tell teenagers how much money they made and the cool cars they drove. It's like, look, if you haven't found fulfillment in those things, I can guarantee you fulfillment's not going to be found in bragging to a bunch of teenagers. It's not going to give you what you need. <laughs> Unless you're grooming one of them and we're, you know, this could take a dark turn. If that's what you're looking for, I don't think that's going to work either, but, you know. <laughs> they were unstable, for I sure. When you said to Casey about it, it's like, it's not like he's like, foregoing his earthly possession so it's like this guy's also a real pragmatist where he's like look like jesus is a big piece of the pie but you know it's 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 a multi-pronged approach i've got the lord i have my hummer uh i have i have my million dollar portfolio 
can't park he's probably Jesus underwater on the Hummer. <laughs> he's probably he's probably like I'm. St- I can't trade out of it, and it's the worst car I've ever owned. It's so impractical. <laughs> I hate it. It was a lease. fucking idiot leases a hummer (laughs) oh many idiots i know i feel like those leases came out swinging for a second everyone was like they're cool and like people who had jeeps hated them like what everyone with a jeep was like jeeps are made for pulling hummers out of ditches and it's like what why why are so many people fighting their identity in these vehicles (laughs) it's it's like a douche uh, it's like a a circle of douchebags playing sourdough together. <laughs> what's I don't sour, know what sourdough, what's sourdough, sourdough. Oh, no. He, Casey always comes in with a I don't know that this is a game that anyone actually played, but it was like one of those things that would come up in the dorm and stuff. But it was is that when someone like, looks between your stomach rolls? <laughs> oh, no. That's a different Lord. game. What, oh, what, that's like Dirty Biscuit or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh my god! It involved. I should have like, gone to uh, Liberty, man. It sounds yeah. like a real. <laughs> that's a made-up game. I never played it. I just people did it to me. That I mean, but it's different. Yeah, he was. He wasn't playing the Monopoly. He was more like the board. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're not going to explain Strange. it, though? Yeah, what's that? Okay. <laughs> I got to know. The way I understand it is um, it involved a group of dudes uh, racing to jerk off the fastest. <laughs> Whoa. Everybody, everybody pops on a piece of bread, and then the person that's last has oh, to eat shit. it. Oh, shit. No! <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think anybody ever played that. I've heard of it's this. It's a game that I've heard. I've heard of this, but it as called Limp Biscuit, and that's okay. where Limp Biscuit got their name. <laughs> I'm not joking, by the way. That's what I'm. I've heard I know. Of none, of, none of us were allowed to listen to Limp Biscuit, so we come up with our own names for jerk off games. Oh man, I was most certainly not like yeah, that's the Christian alternative. It's, well, Sam, I don't know if we were recording or not, but Sam was saying like the late '90s, early 2000s, there was a Christian version of everything, including the game Limp Biscuit. Where it's like, yeah, have a jerk off race with your friends, but like let's glorify God while we do it and not call it something tawdry like Limp Biscuit. Like, what a day to visit the youth group. Your, your friend has to correct you and be like, "Hey, man." It's not yeah. Limp Biscuit. It's, yeah. it's sourdough here. It's probably a regional thing, but you know, it's cool. You'll figure it out. <laughs> I don't think I've shared this story, but uh, it's relevant now, and I've been a little reluctant to say it. Did I mention the Casey? Have I talked about a similar game of uh, playing Spider Man? Is that <laughs> does that one come up? Oh boy, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. A friend of mine who I, I worked with. He worked at a restaurant at one point and he mentioned that the guys would joke about going back to the dorm or their apartment and playing Spider-Man, which was a similar game where you put you jerk off into your hand and then you throw it at people. So, oh my god. Oh yeah. I don't it's like the silence of really the lambs. Possible. It feels like pretend, but like something people just say, but I figure get all these stories out and I won't have to bring it up another time. We've knocked them out. Now we can, uh, we can talk about Walker. Walker. Like, beat the journalist so to him. It's amazing that like mankind has been able to accomplish anything when this sort of <laughs> mental energy and creativity is <laughs> pointed towards like 
different ways to jerk off and <laughs> things that you can do <laughs> with your consequences. <laughs> yes, we talked about it a lot, but uh, when you have to repress any kind of normal uh, sexual out like uh, release, it comes out somewhere and it's usually weird. Yeah, absolutely. It usually is. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Um, this is a, a real game, but uh, in my like youth group community, flashlight tag was a big thing. And it was absolutely just an excuse for horny teenagers to go make out in the woods. <laughs> but like, oh, there man, was, there there was, was always, yeah, there was always somebody, you know, like too eagerly trying to like initiate a game of flashlight. I'm sure it was me like guys, like flashlight tag. That was cool. Do <laughs> flashlight tag again. We could maybe like hide together. It's so dorky. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know what other people's lives were like, but uh, that's if you, if, where I came from. If you want to make out with somebody, you need the pretense of flashlight tag. Yeah, <laughs> any game that, that takes place in the dark. Any, it's like Manhunt. You guys want to play Manhunt? Yeah. I think it was always like truth or dare for us. Like we go on sure. a field trip. Inevitably, people are going to play truth or dare in the back of one of the vans. Because we didn't have a bus, so we had like multiple church vans that we borrowed to go to like the Henry Ford Museum or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it always ended up being the same thing too. It's like 30 people looking at someone and being like, who do you like? Right. And then they don't say, and everybody has to beat it out of them. And then eventually one person is like, I dare you to kiss so-and-so. <laughs> and only one person ever followed through on that that I remember. Oh, good for them, though. That's I mean, that, that, I think that's commendable because because I imagine there's even when you're dared to do it, I feel like there's going to be judgment heaped upon you for actually. going. Oh, yeah, it. for oh, sure. Yeah. And the fear of being told on by one of the narcs in the youth group, because there's always that little bitch that can't keep his mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It turns out that the, the elders always have somebody planted in your youth organization <laughs> who's, who's reporting back. It's usually <laughs> the run to the group. Yeah. Likes to steal people's hats. One of those assholes. Oh, man. Like, Shit, I don't think I've ever told. I've never told like my my narc story, but like I uh, so the art school was pretty small and it was old. And so like the second or third year that I was there, they decided to like put some money into it and redo like the quote unquote learning center and put a new roof on the place. All this stuff because the building was just like a toilet. I like and, the learning centers in quotes because what kind of books did they fill it with? Well, that's what the ACE <laughs> name for it was. Oh, yeah. So the cartoons would go to the learning center and they're uh, separated by race schools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, so we ended up going to school. Like it took way longer than it was supposed to. So we ended up going to school at my church for a, like a whole year. And um so there was like, I remember there was a computer lab upstairs, another quote, and somebody had come in and installed a couple of games on them. Like they brought them from home and put them on the computers. And one of them was like, it was like one of those strategy games. It was kind of like Diablo or something like that. And I like told on them for putting it on the computer because <laughs> it had like devils and stuff in it. I was like, I really don't think that people should be playing this at school. 
Oh my God, you just, dude. I mean, I like empathize with that so hard, like, because I, that, I mean, that panic is real. Like when you, you know, when the devil is like a real threat and he emerges, like you damn well better tell an authority figure. Like, you know what? You're, I, you just, I have not thought about this in years. Do you guys know what Royal Rangers is? Oh, no. Jeremiah was in this. Yeah. Oh, was he? It, yeah. It, it's like Christian Boy Scouts, basically. And okay. I was I was a Royal Ranger and we were on this. Is this camping a big trip. organization? Is it I like think fairly somewhat? Okay. I think cause it's through the Assemblies of God, which I think is a pretty okay. yeah, yeah. big denomination. That's right. I'm remembering Jeremiah talking about this now because I was confused because I thought the Boy Scouts was basically a Christian organization. <laughs> It's like, so like, yeah, we need an even more homophobic version of, of the Boy Scouts of America. Yeah. Like, with, they're being a little too subtle about it. We're going to make it extremely overt, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was a Royal Ranger, and we were on a camping trip, and I, I, I don't remember the kid's name or anything, but he was talking to me about how he didn't believe in God. And man, it's like my world was so small at that point that I don't even know if I'd ever heard anybody say that. And I fucking tattled on him <laughs> to, to like, <laughs> our like troop leader of just like, you know, Billy told me he doesn't believe in God. And, it, you know, I was incredibly panicked for this kid. And then the troop leader like gathered us up and told us some story. I forget what it was. He did it a was... bunch of socks filled with bars of soaps. And... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, boys. Full metal jacket yeah. him. <laughs> we'll have him crying out to God before you know it. Let's go. <laughs> That's, yeah. I know. I had like no, no thought of the consequences for this poor kid of just like, let's all, let's all focus our attention on this one kid who's like, deep enough that he's like asking existential questions now not just swallowing everything whole you know but the the guy just gave a told some anecdote about it like a near-death experience he had and how god protected him and did it while just like making super intense eye contact with this kid the whole time and it was like 10 minutes after he'd said this to me so i think he definitely knew the jig was up, you know, like it was, it was not hard to trace it back to me <laughs> at all. It's like you get to the end of the story and he just gives him the Anakin Skywalker, like, if you're not for us, you're against us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Billy. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> so what, wait, what, what age range was uh, Royal Rangers? That's a good, um, or like what, yeah, how long, I mean, when were you in it? I think I was in it from maybe like 10 to maybe like nine to 12, two or three years. Okay. It was pretty fun. Like yeah, that's an age though. where Yeah. It's funny to think about. I'm trying to think of the first time that I remember people like not believing in God and it does shake you a bit when you're mm-hmm. so insulated. That's when you're raised in that and someone's, you finally have that friend that's like, I don't, I don't know. Like what for us, it was uh, for my brother and I, it was our, our friend that like he had gone to the same Christian school we did and stuff. Uh, so that at, you're at that age, no one's really thinking about their, they're just handed that belief system. Right. So when you're talking to someone who's that young and they're just like, yeah, I just don't think I do. You're like, that's not possible. We have right. Yes. Yeah, it, it shakes you up. Yeah. It, it shakes you up. I, I also think too, it's like, 
I don't know, like, you know, you're kind of like raised with this persecution complex as a devout Christian too. Like, you know, you're always told like, oh, like (laughs) everybody hates Christians. And then it's like, you like grow up and like, you're like, wait a second, I live in America. (laughs) Like this is, this is, it's actually not hard to be a Christian here. But I think that that's kind of how I internalized it too. When I would, when I was a little older and I was like a teenager and I was still trying to be really devout and I would like wear my religion on my sleeve, but I like was mixing with other people because I, I had jobs and stuff. And yeah, when they would not be about it, I was like, oh, this is that. <laughs> this is that persecution <laughs> they've been talking about. Somebody I'm having a different opinion to me. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this day was coming where someone didn't think the exact same as me. Yeah. didn't think it'd be today. Yeah. What, uh, what year did you graduate high school? Um, oh my, so this is not a question that most people have to think about, but I was, I was homeschooled. Yes, dude. It's a homeschool thing. I can't remember when I graduated either. I never can. I get a backtrack from my age in like the year and do math on the fly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I didn't, you're, I didn't know you were a fighter in the great homeschool wars. Oh yeah. It's good good to see another veteran. Yes. This is great. (laughs) Uh, I think in 2003, I graduated a year early, but like, that sounds like I was like really accelerated and how good at my (laughs) academics I was. And by the structure of that sentence, you could tell maybe I should have stayed for another year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no. So I did the, it was kind of the evangelical homeschooled lifestyle. And to this day, I, I, I occasionally meet somebody who was also homeschooled and my immediate litmus test is like, okay, but wait, were you hippie homeschooled or were you conservative Christian homeschooled? And if it was hippie homeschooled, like get, the, we're not the same. Get the fuck out yeah. of my face. <laughs> and hippie homeschool was a, a more common thing in California. I feel like California has been ahead of the curb on hippie homeschooling. That's, I don't have any data for that and I will not cite my sources. Yet another yeah. way that you guys excel. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Did you I, go to homeschool conventions ever? No. Oh man, I take it you did. Oh yeah, we uh, there was. I don't know how prevalent they were across the globe, but it was basically like these. You know, they would organize these conventions when they all these they'd bring in a bunch of different curriculum and speakers, and there were always speakers like Ken Ham would come to them, uh, like anyone to like to answers in Genesis, like to talk about how evolution isn't real, and sure, it's just like there was always science based ones. There was always ones about just like teaching the Bible. There, it's like. But yeah, and then there was like a a big um, auditorium, I guess it's, an, yeah, kind of like an auditorium where they would go up and down the aisles and shop for different curriculums. And I would actually really like to go to, I want to go to one again yeah. now as an adult and like go up and down the aisles, see what kind of like textbooks they're working with. Like how, how do these count? Like, is there an accreditation process? Probably not. Like homeschooling is pretty uh it's 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 pretty loose ain't it unregulated yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of there's a lot of making making stuff up as you go yeah it sure is i mean math is the one thing that you can't really fuck with that's (laughs) no no even god even god subscribes to to just good old arithmetic yeah the numbers guy Absolutely. Even God says the numbers do not lie. Yeah. 
I, what uh, what curriculum did you guys use? Um, I you know we were homeschooled through a like a I, I guess it was like a charter affiliate of some kind, and we would get curriculum through there. Uh, that's a that's a tough word for me to say. Um, but I don't know if we did the like Christian the Christian curriculum so much as it was just the focus was really narrow. Like, mm-hmm. and, and we would occasionally do outside classes. So it's like, there was a lot of homeschooled kids in my family, excuse me, in my big extended family, which was pretty synonymous with my church community. And then there was a lot of homeschooled families at the church And so there would be times where like different pockets of us would be like, okay, we're taking Spanish lessons from this person or we're taking homeschool co-op. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what it is. And there were a few, there were a few people that were not affiliated with like the, the church and were teachers who were kind of able to like there was this literature teacher, literature teacher named Mr. Dewey, who I remember as being kind of somebody who was able to like turn me on to slightly more abstract thought. And he was another guy who I remember. And, you know, he like was very professionally never said anything about the beliefs of all these weird Christian homeschool kids that he was teaching. But at one point in one of his classes, evolution came up and it was another one of those moments where it's just like, Oh, doesn't, I don't know. I guess you, you know that people believe in evolution or they wouldn't be drilling you it into you. But he, I remember him just saying, Oh, well, you know, to me, that's pretty undeniable. And again, it being one of those moments of just like, this is the first, like what, you know, and and you never saw him again. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. They disappeared his ass. (laughs) (laughs) I would have told on him. (laughs) (laughs) i do remember like a moment like that in uh in college like my first year of college we there was like a wednesday night youth group type thing on campus and one of the science professors from the school is a non-christian school came in and spoke and he went into this thing about like you know, how he's a Christian, but he's also like a scientist and he, you know, believes God created the earth, but he also believes in evolution and this Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, I I don't remember all of what it was, but I just remember like getting just angry (laughs) listening to him. It's like, you're a fake, you're a fraud. They shouldn't even let you talk up here. You know, just, I was blown away by it. Like, didn't even know that that a group of people existed that were Christians who believed in evolution. Like it was foreign to me completely. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been interesting to me how, like how uh, heretic, heretical, am I saying that right? Like it is to try to like fold that in because, you know, it's like, uh, like I, I don't know what your two individual spiritual beliefs or practices are. Like there's so many degrees of this shit, you know? And like, because I was raised so dogmatically, it's taken me kind of, a while into adulthood to appreciate that people can be, people can have spiritual beliefs or even religious beliefs and not be dogmatic or closed minded about it. But it's interesting to me that I, that one to me seems very easy to fold in. Like yeah. 
that that you can still believe that us being here is a miracle and that God is behind it and just like, oh, look at this miraculous process that he went about to do it. I mean, that's not how I see it, but it makes it makes sense to me that someone would see it that way, but they hate it. <laughs> you could go yeah. about it that way. It was for them, for like the people that I was around, it was just yet like one more part of how, you know, we have to believe that the Bible is the literal word of God right. and that it's, there's no interpretation necessary. Like it means what it says. And, and so, so that was such a central pillar of their right belief system and and worldview and stuff that anything that challenged it had to be debunked immediately you know right yeah i guess that's a thread that you don't want pulled is like well if this is not literally true what else isn't literally true but you know of course i have to imagine over the course of this project you guys have covered that there are lots of things in the bible that christians do choose to put to the side i don't know if you've noticed yeah. There's a lot of hypocrisy in this religion. <laughs> I, well, know. I don't know it's if that's like, fair. <laughs> it is a phenomenal, it's a phenomenon really the way that they could view it because if the, if you're saying it has to be true and literal and that's why we can't entertain this concept of evolution, which would require, if you wanted to keep it as conservative Christian as you could while believing in evolution, like you said, it would require you to, do some little bit of gymnastics, but you're like, well, you know, you could say, uh, to, to, uh, people. This is this is what people would say uh, for those who don't recall the the language around it. But it's like, well, to to God, you know, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, and like people just so whatever. You can do your thing and figure out why six days doesn't actually mean literal days. It's epochs or uh, moments in time. Like people do that, but then. That that's a slippery slope for some, but they're not over there like asking for a bride price for their daughter and half like they they don't eat shellfish, they don't make women sleep in tents when they're going when they're on their period, like <laughs> all these other things they just completely throw out and ignore, and that's not a slippery slope for them, which shows you that it's it, it they I don't know it, it seems to me that it it can't really be about inerrancy. Mm-hmm. It has to be something there has to be something else going on there or there, there whatever that disconnect is on why this does this this is important to inerrancy but these aren't that mm-hmm. isn't really lining up so it's, it's strange isn't the you have like there? certain groups that would like pick up a weird belief mm. and just run with it like women have to wear veils in church and oh, that becomes yeah. like a defining characteristic of I why like everyone else is wrong personally. and they're right you know like, did you, did you ever have groups like that around you where they just they picked like a couple little things that seemed kind of ancillary and and because they practiced them this way, like that was one of the one more reason that like their church was the way and and nobody else could be trusted. Mm-hmm. I forgot about the head covering people. That was like something that would because like my church was really fundamentalist and everything like that, but it wasn't it like didn't have a, its own, I guess because we were non-denominational, like doctrinal issues would come up a lot. So there was kind of this like hodgepodge approach of just like, oh, okay. Like you said, the doily, it's like, I guess Shelly's wearing a doily to church now. And like, that's making us, that's throwing a weird vibe in the room, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) or like, you know, like, 
it wasn't like really a big speaking in tongues church, but then people would speak in tongues, but there was this weird, there was always like the, when that would happen, the vibe was just like so vicious because it would, people would be like so uncomfortable, but no one's gonna like, I don't know. It was like a thing where it's like the speaking in tongues thing was like not really emphasized. And you could tell that a lot of people, like my family, my parents thought it was goofy even though they're incredibly religious, but no one's going to be like, Hey, stop that. Yeah. yeah right. That would be another, that would be an, also a great, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Movie. Yes. Like walk into churches that don't speak in tongues and just go for it. That would be awesome. Yeah. It would be really crazy. It would be, it would, it would always, it would surprise me every time. Cause you know, it would happen like a couple times a year that it's like, someone who hasn't read the room correctly is now <laughs> is now speaking in tongues really loudly. And it's like, oh, that's nice for you, but we don't really do that here. <laughs> that's what's so fun. One of the things I think is hilarious is people talk about like getting kicked out of church or something like that. And sure, like you'll be made to feel so unwelcome that you wouldn't go back. And that's being that's essentially being kicked out. But churches can't really kick anybody out. And I think that I would like to see more people who – Maybe they're sociopaths. I don't know. They don't have to be. They could just be thick skinned, but who don't care that everybody there hates them and they show up anyway. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious to me because if that person like goes and speak like Catholics, right? They're going to say, they'll tell you, you can't take the communion if you're not Catholic. And that's like, but they're not going to whack it out of your hand. If you walk up, just there. like elbow your way to the front. You're just like, ah! yeah. just hot dog eating contest communion crackers like, Look, i'm going for it and it's fine if you don't like it but you're not gonna make me spit it out <laughs> so we need more people like that in church who are just like that would be doing the lord's work i think is really ruffling feathers and getting under people's skin and being like look it's fine that you hate me i'm just not bothered by it and uh, i'm gonna show up every week and i like that a lot experience. I like that a lot it's like the george Costanza. every church needs a george Costanza. <laughs> Just like defying you to call to call me out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, Walker, did you you were like heavily? It sounds like you were heavily invested all through high school. Yeah. Right? When did you um? When did you like kind of leave your area and start having like maybe some sort of faith shift? Sure. Um, the faith shift came before I could kind of get away from it. Um, so you know I. I mean, you get to an age where you're capable of a little more critical thinking and doubts start to creep in, but it felt, you know, it felt really overwhelming and terrifying to, to even kind of entertain the thought that I didn't believe in this, you know, oh, yeah. and around the time that I was really starting to doubt that I that I actually held this belief system was also around the time that I was really being pushed to get more deeply involved. And so like, oh, I, was just, I was in the church, I was in the worship band. Uh, both my parents were, uh, were worship leaders. Uh, and I played bass in the, in the church band, uh, which, you know, that was rife with a lot of funny, it turns out church band, 
has just as much strife as every other band. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude. They don't like how you tuned your bass. Yeah. Or I mean, it would be like one of those things, like my dad's like a really solid musician and, um, I don't know that he was, he was kind of the de facto leader and, but there, it, it was the same thing with the speaking tongues. Like it was like the church didn't, it, things were structured, but not structured in a way that was clear enough where there were like clear lines drawn. So it's like, we would kind of have our own. <laughs> we'd like, there was always that asshole that went into a 20 minute solo. wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> It was like, it would be like, we had the band kind of, the lineup would be kind of set, but then it's like, Oh, um, Hey, Roberto brought bongos. And it would just be like really, really fucking up what we had going on. And so I would just watch my dad. Kind Did of. you win those in a game of hacky sack? <laughs> and so I should protect the innocent because that is a real story with the actual name used. <laughs> but like, I think Bongo's a- played a pretty significant role in the Jesus movement. So I imagine <laughs> there's a lot of them lurking around thrift stores there. <laughs> there was like a harmonica guy at one point and it's like hey you know harmonica is a spice like you don't just you don't just (laughs) suck and blow through the whole through the whole song Uh, there was we got one time we got like a drummer who couldn't drum foisted on us and i just remember like like you know the song was sucking and I'm watching, I'm sitting there playing and it's like, I'm watching my dad just silently be furious at like how bad, how bad it's going. And, uh, and the song ends and he turns to this young lady playing the drums and he goes, um, just so you know, this song has a little more of a groove to it. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and she just stared at him and my mom goes, uh, do you know what he means, honey? And she just goes, No. <laughs> so, like, there were just times where <laughs> it was like there's a couple people here who could actually play who should be maintaining control of uh, the worship team but you know everyone's allowed to come in and jam yeah that, it's a place where they don't really like to turn people they don't like to turn people away unless they have like the established work like you go to a mega church and all their guys are on salary and everyone like okay they're you're not fucking with what they got going on but like these non-denominational churches where kids, you know, pick up a shaker egg for the first time and they want to do it in public, but they want to, they have plenty of practice, usually around 12. They have a lot of practice with this motion. They got real good. (laughs) Paying someone to be a full-time like worship leader is a great use of ministry funds. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can't, what a good, I mean, it's hard to imagine a better gig. Like if you're making a full-time salary to, to do one show a week, that's wild. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good gig. I mean, I, I, I'm, I think a lot of folks who, you know, might not be devout themselves, like working musicians, like do take those jobs. Yeah. I I mean, I've listened to plenty of podcasts uh, and heard plenty of conversations with a lot of people who came up in the Christian, you know, all like the tooth and nail bands, like the heavier mm-hmm. music. We do Christian, we're Christians, but we do our own thing. A lot of those people were like, when they weren't touring, 
they were doing music at their home church and I guarantee they were supplementing their income. Mm -hmm. A lot of them had shifted their beliefs at that point. So it, I, I think you're definitely right on that. Yeah. Where were you I, on Christian music? Uh, I, that's, I was just gonna, uh, I, man, you know, I wanted to like it and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I like my taste was really, really adolescent, you know, like secretly we, we mentioned not being allowed to limp biscuit. I, that was absolutely not okay, but I would do the trick where, you know, you would burn CDs and then put, you know, jars of clay on your like yeah, yeah. biscuit CD. My um, friend's baptism. Yeah, exactly. I just, <laughs> I just like to watch this get spiritually pumped. <laughs> um, but you know, I, 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 I really liked MX bands that I genuinely liked. I liked MXPX. Um, when I was little, I really liked DC talk. My first concert was DC talk. I wrote them a fan letter and they wrote back, which I, no way. yeah, nice. which, that's dope. Even if they, even if somebody on their team did it, I'm always just like, what stand up guys, like they wrote, it wasn't a form letter and you know, it was, it was post Jesus freak. So they were kind of at the height of their powers. At that point. That's awesome. Was it, was it all of their signatures or was it the signature of one member like that wrote it? I think it was all of their signatures. I remember it said, it was like, hey, Walker, glad you dig the music. It was like a signed glossy. And it was like, glad you dig the music, all glory to him with an arrow pointing up. And then their signatures. And you're just like, <laughs> oh, it <laughs> smells like Kevin Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Christian music was tough. I mean, as I like, got older you know i was just like a i was just like a rowdy like pretty typical rowdy teenage boy and what i responded to was like anything that says the f word a lot is what i like and you know it's hard to get it's hard to get the hit that eminem is giving you from you know audio adrenaline or whatever the fuck yeah and, no uh, limb biscuit had that one song where they actually counted how many times they said the f word in it do you guys remember that no <laughs> That's Does cool. He, yeah, it's so cool, right? <laughs> That's like it sounds like he. If you're writing music like that, you're like, look, we're still in middle school at heart. Uh, that's like when you think it's cool to count how many. F I th he took that line from uh, Focus on the Family movie reviews, <laughs> or ScreenIt.com. Were you guys familiar with ScreenIt.com? No, what's was that another Christian review website? It, it had to have been Christian, but it was you know it would like. Oh, you know, at minute 34, there's cleavage and there's this many yeah. S-words <laughs> yes, yes, and, yes. and not a movie got through without screenit.com ruining it. Oh, yeah. Did um, you get restricted on uh, movies and TV and stuff at home? Hardcore. Like, culture was hard to come by, you know? Like, I, I'm, I'm still, like, catching up on stuff. Like, you know, it's like I remember, like, I would want to see these movies that everyone was into when I was a teenager, but it's like, now I'm a grown man and I'm sitting down. I'm like, I'm going to watch there's something about Mary for the first time or whatever. And it's like, okay, it's funny, but it would have been funnier when I was 15. Like I kind of, yeah. I don't know if I could, if I could appreciate it the same way. 
It's Some true, of those man. things were like a moment. They were like a cultural moment. And maybe it's still a good movie, but it's not the same as seeing it at the time and being a part of like everyone's collective enthusiasm about it. You know, like yes. Napoleon Dynamite was one of those where like everybody was just enthused about that movie. Like everybody's talking about it and quoting it and stuff and eventually wore thin, you know, but yeah, I can't imagine like watching it now and getting even a taste of like what it was like to be in that at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And Christians, I think Christians really liked that movie because it's like, you know, ir- irreverent, but there's nothing naughty in it. Yeah. yeah. We were okay oh, yeah. with that one. What was, uh? do you remember like any that you really wanted to see that you couldn't go to or? Oh man, that's a, I mean, it was a con, you know, music was the really big fight. I was so into music and I, it, it, like movies was kind of a losing battle, but I did like wage the war on the music front. And then there was, you know, it's like stuff, like I said, like the, that new metal stuff, like I knew there was no way in hell that it would be, it would ever be okay. So that was just like secret. But then, you know, I'd be like, I, I really want to get green day or whatever, like whatever it was. And, and I, you know, some, and it was just like with movies, it would be screened. The lyrics would be read um, in the CD liner notes. Cuss words would be crossed out. Um <laughs> There, there is a, this was my parents' music and not mine, but there was a um, Linda Ronstadt album that my parents had on, on CD and she's, it's like not a sexual photo at all, but on the cover, she's wearing like a, like somewhat see-through top and you can see the outline of her nipples and it was covered (laughs) with giant uh <laughs> marker so there's like a giant black box drawn over linda ronstadt's breasts <laughs> uh, on this, so like, that, <laughs> you've developed a fetish you're like every girl you've ever slept with you're like can you hold this yeah. black tape in front of you? <laughs> oh uh, just honey, like that let me go get the sensor bar <laughs> <laughs> now was that for you or for your dad like who who's 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 blocking that out I mean, oh, my, my mom is blocking it out. I assume it's like, you know, all of us are susceptible to being stumbled by Linda Ronstadt. She's a beautiful woman, you know, like <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's not going to fly for any of us. I definitely uh, remember my mom being like, uh, like the home should be a shelter from temptation and mm. like cutting the, the underwear section out of the JCPenney catalog and stuff. It so made it awkward. really tough. As a teenager, like, <laughs> you're going to find something. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You start you're, drawing you're your own. You're like folding your arm so it looks like a butt. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. Um. I definitely remember, like, as a, as a terrible artist, I definitely remember, like, trying to draw, like, boobs. Oh, yeah, just, for sure. Just being sad. Wow. <laughs> you know? Funny. I'm in solidarity so with you on that. I, I drew some some poor renderings of of the female anatomy as well. I'm just like, yeah, this isn't. It, I tried, but this isn't going to work. I love the universality of this stuff, and I feel like it's like, yeah, obviously some people don't really talk about that, but it is so universal. Like our dads did it, 
Every, it's like that's just like when boys are like hit that age and they're just have testosterone dumped into their body at like an accelerator rate a hundred times what they had before. It's more than a hundred times. I don't even remember what it, I just I remember recently reading about the amount of testosterone that's dumped into a preteen boy's body. It just turns them into animal. That's what's so fun about the show Big Mouth. I, I, I guess I'm guessing you've given that a shot. You know what? I haven't actually watched it, okay. but I mean, I'm a big fan of. A lot of the, yeah. a lot of the people it just, on it. It takes all those like animalistic tendencies that children have when they're going through puberty and makes it just so funny and relatable. And it really shows you how much of your like preteen years were the most R-rated time of your life. And yeah, <laughs> it's it's such a odd way for. Uh, like us to become human full humans like it's like there's got to be a better way than having <laughs> there be this weird five six year period of your life where you're uncontrollably horny uh have no sexual options you know and like no understanding of your own body or urges like it's just like why why is this the way like why can't it be gradual like it's yeah. just like one day you just wake up and <laughs> And it's like, oh, okay. I just like I masturbate no matter what is going on in my life. <laughs> Consequences losing like my mind. Yeah, just like it's like just, trying to explain is like, like remember when you were at CC's Pizza and they always had a cruising USA game, and <laughs> you know you'd be driving, and all of a sudden you'd hit the nitrous button. And you just suck back in the seat, you know. It was like that, only you had unlimited nitrous and somebody else was pushing the button. <laughs> I thought this was going in a different direction, and you were going to make a reference to the uh the, the ladies with the bikini tops waving the flags or something like that. I absolutely oh, yeah. thought you were gonna Getting talk tony. about jerking <laughs> off to the cruise in USA game. <laughs> I don't think cruising USA made the list. I definitely felt uncomfortable though. Well, hey, if you know, if you didn't do that, neither did I. Let's just say that. Because <laughs> it's those racing games where you pull the curtains shut on the side. <laughs> wow, he's been in there a long time. Dude, Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, this is and you realize it's a photo booth and all the pictures start spitting out <laughs> no! <laughs> put it back put it back start drafting my confession hey you're forgetting whether it's a photo booth or not like god can see you he knew what you were yeah. doing there you're not you're getting right. away with shit <laughs> I, I appreciate the way you brought this back yeah, we're getting a little – guys, we're getting a little far from our walks with the Lord. I thought this was a Christian podcast with the guy who like <laughs> fundamentally misunderstands what the show is. So guys, when are we going to talk about how much we love Christ? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, let's uh, let's jump back to you. I want – so sure. you, 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 you were saying that um, the time where you were being pulled in the most is when you started feeling like – yeah, you weren't sure about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I guess just kind of like bullet points of my way out of it would be that, yeah, you know, 15, 16, internally really struggling with it. Don't know who to talk to about it. Don't know, don't even really know how to process it internally. But, you know, I'm also, but I'm pretty sure that I am in disbelief, Uh 
either that I straight up don't believe it or even if I do that I'm like incapable of being a good Christian. And at the same time, I'm being pushed like start teaching Sunday school. And then the big thing was to go on a mission trip. Um, and I went through Teen Mania Ministries. Uh, you guys aware of Acquire the Fire and Teen Mania? Oh, yeah. I actually yeah. just Wikipedia that because Teen Mania, yeah. So Acquire the Fire is part of Teen Mania. They went, def- they like, they're like defunct now. Oh no! Um, the guy had some, the guy, yeah. The guy Somebody started, else owns the Teen Mania URL too. Oh okay. Yeah. They had a few controversies along the way. Yeah, <laughs> right. Point, right. I was gonna say it always. It's like. There, there's a very porny sounding name for a Christian <laughs> ministry. Yes, <laughs> it got gross. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, sorry. Anyway. Go, go ahead. No, that's it. It's just, I. It's no longer around. I think they had some controversies that cost them some money, and I think maybe just the the the, the turnout was dying down. Um, sure. That it, it had its heyday, but dude got rich off it. I'm pretty sure. Oh man. I mean, those mission trips were really expensive and um, yeah, I mean, they didn't go under for my lack of giving them money because I went on a mission trip to Romania and um, you know, oddly enough, uh, that was also quiet time was like a big thing. Like uh, where you like get up and I mean, I I don't, I, I don't suppose they would probably call it meditation, but it's like read your Bible and pray and stuff. And right. quiet time with God was this thing that was becoming very, it's so weird to say, was like getting really trendy at my church. So it's like I had to do quiet time. And and then when I was on this mission trip, there was this huge emphasis on, you know, you're, you're here on a mission for God. So every day you're going to get up and you're going to spend like a minimum of an hour in like quiet meditation about God. And during that time, I, you know, it was like, it was like being at a party and everyone took different drugs than you and you're waiting to like feel it. And it just wasn't happening And that. And I came back like positive that I, that I didn't believe in any of it. And, um, you know, and then that like was a really hard transition with my family, you know, eventually, like eventually I did have to, just for my own sanity had to be like honest about that. But, but, you know, I was still a minor. And so then I spent like the next two years being dragged to church and rallies. And like, there would be like things where, you know, the, <laughs> they like, like a full force of it at you. They're like, All right, we're it's a like, minor. We have two years left. Yeah. We're going to hit them with everything we got. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, once presented with this incontrovertible evidence, he will <laughs> come to the only logical conclusion and be a hardcore board again Christian. <laughs> How old were you though when, the, when you did this missions trip? Is that 16, I think. Okay. That, that's interesting to come back from that at 16 and tell, be able to be like, I don't. So it was shortly after you came back from that that you did tell your parents that you just didn't believe in that stuff. I think so. I mean, I, I, I might be kind of, com- you know how it gets when you yeah. have a little distance from it. But I think that like what really happened was I came back, didn't believe any of it anymore, still going through the motions. And then I was 16 and I wanted to have a girlfriend because I was a 16 year old boy. And that was what it was revealed over is I liked this girl and it was the conversation like, you know, I'm asking my permit, my parents permission to date. And it's like, oh, well, she's, you know, is she a Christian? 
she's not a Christian. And then that was my motivation to go, oh, well, you know, it's, I, that's not really a problem for me. Because <laughs> funny thing about that. Yeah, exactly. Dude, what's so funny about it for real is that that probably put it in your parents' mind that he's just saying this because he likes that girl. It right. probably like totally destroyed your uh, your credibility coming out right there. You should have done it like a couple weeks at a time. If you could go back in time, that would be my advice. And my advice. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. And I also don't know what I thought I was trying to pull, like that they were going to go like, oh, like, oh, okay, well, well, then great. Hey, go live your life. Like this shit was optional the whole time. It's like, no, that was never the deal. It was like, this is, this is what we're doing. Get with the fucking program. Yeah. <laughs> they just hate yeah. that girl. I don't know if they even really knew her, but I mean, we did not, you know, our romance never was. Unfortunately, she was the one who got away. Uh, you, <laughs> well, you know what? Funny. And I never got a girlfriend. Right now, she's coming on the podcast. And, uh, <laughs> and I never, I never found a girl uh, Christian enough for me to settle down with. So, you know, it's been, it's been hard. <laughs> Keep trying others dating sites, Christian mingle. Yeah, Christian mingle. That's great. <laughs> Dude. It, so it's interesting the way that people go. Cause like, it sounds like you had that experience where it just wasn't lining up for you. Like everybody around you seem to be getting it and feeling it. And then there's you and you don't. And like your conclusion from that was, well, I guess I don't believe in this, you know, whereas like, I know with me, it was like, I still believe in this. I'm just a horrible, empty person mm-hmm. that can't do it right. You know, I did you have like a, a shame phase? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think it was linear either. Like, I think it like I, I wrestled with it for years. And then and then once you're like, I, I don't know about you, but like once you're out of it, out of it, like I spent. A, a great deal of time being extremely angry and and bitter about the whole thing, and 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 like I really appreciate what you guys are doing with this show because it has kind of been in the last few years of my life that I have started to basically feel a lot less isolated about it. That like this is um, it's not maybe like the average experience, but it is not atypical like lots of people go through yeah. this oh, yeah. and, and that it is it's funny and like my, my, some of my favorite people to run into now are like evangelicals who like get my adventures and odyssey references you know <laughs> like yeah. it's like yes you know so it, it 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 trips me up less now but there were there was a long period of feeling really, really guilty and alternating between that and like anger. And like, this is the cause of all any problem I have is because I was raised too religiously, you know, which ask me tomorrow. And I might tell you that, that, that is the case. But at this moment, I'm going to say that that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) It's very tough to like draw lines of distinction too. It takes time and distance for you to look back on things and be like, you know, I don't know if anybody actually explicitly said this, but that's what I thought I was supposed to be or supposed to think or whatever. You know, it's like there's the things that were taught and then there was things that you internalize that maybe, you know, maybe the motives and stuff don't look as ugly once you realize like this is this was my interpretation of this. 
mm-hmm. and I put this on myself, you know, certain things. I, I don't know. It's that's a tough one to 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 wade through. And yeah. uh I don't know. Yeah. There's definitely a mix of both. Yeah. And I think it does take like it, it, it that's a very like generous and mature perspective to take because I I do it does feel like at some points when you're processing your like religious trauma, it feels like people wanted to fuck with you and wanted to mess you up. But I don't, I, I don't think that that is the case. And um, when I look back at it a little more objectively, I see a lot of adults really winging it. <laughs> like, yeah. re- like where it's just like, it's not that you uh, were malicious in your intent. It's just that maybe you weren't qualified to mold young minds to the extent that you did, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, there was, I, I, we've talked about this a little bit before too, but, uh, it, it's, it's like the people who raised us, uh, maybe grew up somewhat religious, but a lot, there's so many, like most, most of my youth group, their parents were like kind of found Christianity in their early twenties around the time they had kids. Like that was such a common thing for non-denominational churches that were filled with boomers. Most of them grew up nominally Catholic. And then, so they, they already went through life and whatever turned out just fine. And now they they've gravitated towards this religious message and they're like, all right, now we need to raise our kids and we want to raise them. Right. And they had like no real understanding of how these messages like to them, they're not thinking if again, being generous today, right now, if that's the direction we're going in, uh, they're not, of course their intent wasn't to probably it wasn't to shame children into behaving properly. I think some people's was, I knew people with like those strict parents that were like, Oh, they love, I mean, it's like they were, they, they were just ready to beat their kids the second they did something wrong. You definitely knew people like, um, for the, I think for the most part, especially around like the sexual shit that most people's hangups are on. Uh, of course, then there's also that fear of eternal conscious torment. That one's not fun either. Yeah. That's a biggie. Yeah, but they don't – because they didn't have to process – they came into it as adults. They're like, oh, well, now I believe this as an adult and I'd like to pass this on to my kids and I think it's true. But they didn't – there was no research. There was no understanding or idea of how like drilling that into a kid's mind from the time they were three years old is actually – is probably unhealthy. Uh, right. To give them, it gives them a bit of a complex and – now we're all like, that's what everyone right now is trying to figure out is like, because uh, even people who are ex evangelical, but actually still gravitate towards a Christian, uh, to, towards Christianity, but in a new way, usually somewhat like liberal progressive and, and you, and they're trying to find like healthier ways to, to look at life, maybe be like a more sex positive worldview, things mm-hmm. like that. But they're still like, you know, I, I'm down with Jesus. I like what this is about. And I, this is the way that I want to live my life. And this is a good guidepost and whatever, however they want to interpret it. But people are still trying to stay. Some people are staying, still trying to stay Christian and, and process it. But it is it, and now. And then they're trying to figure out how to give it to their kids in a way that's like, it, can you pass this message on without having these problems? And that's what I think a lot of people are thinking about now. Yeah, that's interesting because like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a dad and my kid is eight and like, and he's a, and he's a deep thinker and he likes to ask me tough questions. And like, so the fact that I am 
not religious has come up. The fact that his grandparents and some people in his orbit are very religious has come up. And I have no issue being honest with him about kind of the parts of that that I object to, you know, Um, but I also try to be very careful not to give him a complex about it in the other direction because it's also like, it, he doesn't have all these hangups around it or whatever. And so it's kind of like, I, it, it feels like uh, I would be doing him a disservice if I just was like, you know, giving him some screed about all my shit with religion all the time. And like, as far as doing it in a, sure. a as far as people being Christian in a more, I don't know, a more uh, way that's individual to them and, and, and more open um, I think that's really nice. I mean, I, I don't know that I would be capable of it, but I, I really like it because I think it's kind of a damn shame that this religion has gotten so inextricably tied to like hardcore capitalism and hardcore like right wing politics. And it's like, you know, from what I can tell, like having some traditions and religious values in your life seems like a nice thing that people enjoy. And so it's like, kind of like, it sucks if your experience with it is so hardcore that, 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 that is just taken off the table, you know? Yeah, definitely. man. So I'm, I'm happy for people if they're able to do that. Cause I, I, I think it's like, you know, there's no reason like, love thy neighbor as thyself is not a value that people should be like passing on to kids. You know, I just, I just tell my kid that I made that up. (laughs) Your dad's a really smart guy. Let me tell you some other things. Then you just quote Jesus all the time. You miss a hundred percent of the shots. You don't. Did you see that dad? No, Jesus did. (laughs) Jesus loved basketball. They called it, uh, they called it uh, wicker basketball at the time. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm with you 100% on that too. It is strange to be completely on the outside of it and and see those things, you know. And I mean, like, you know, is the, even like for Sam, I think like what he takes from Christianity, like I think that's – I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's, it seems. I got what I came for. (laughs) But no, like you're like, there's, I have like a handful of really great people that I know that pull a lot of their central values and stuff from Christianity still participate in some form or another. It's just, I feel like for me, it's, uh, it's like, did you ever, when you were a kid, like get sick from eating a certain food and, like I remember one time my mom packed me like grilled chicken sandwich things in my lunch and I got really sick afterwards. And I don't know if it had anything to do with those or what, but I just like, I threw them up. And from there forward, I'm like, I hate grilled chicken. I can't, I can't do anything, you know, and slowly I gotten a little better with it and stuff, but I still look at it and I'm like, that eh, it's, it's fine. It's just not for me. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> For me, it was a. Uh, I got one of those. I don't know if it's a three or five pound bag of Swedish fish for Christmas one year when I was like sixteen, and I sat on the couch playing video games and ate probably half the bag and felt sick for the rest of the day and had to sleep it off. 
It was years before I could eat Swedish fish again. <laughs> Those are very uh, sheltered Christian kids' stories because most people yes. are like, oh, yeah, tequila. Yeah. For, for me, it was uh, communion wafers, and yeah. uh, I still won't take communion to this day. <laughs> you just bring your own from home. <laughs> like, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm a fan of country white. <laughs> Bacon bits for me. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I like that. Somebody who like brown bags. They're like, this is, this is my Christ body. Yeah. <laughs> my Christ is made of barbecued ribs <laughs> with three sides. <laughs> Serve and, brisket Christ and brisket Christ. Time. And uh, I use bush light instead of wine. So. <laughs> I think it's about time somebody breathed some new life into the communion ceremony. You know, it's stale. Jabbed Let's up. either lean into the, 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 the culinary part of it or nice. lean into the zombie cannibalism part of it. One or the other would be more fun than what we have. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh uh, so, like, did you eventually kind of make peace with your parents over it? Like, do they respect the, your boundaries and stuff on this stuff? Oh, let's say that they do. Um, no, I like. <laughs> no, that's cool. nice of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're cool. Um, we're cool, and you know, um, my boundaries have the line has been in different places than I expected it to be. You know, um, like my kid has like gone to church. You know, um, not regularly, but like that's something as a younger person before I had a kid, I would have thought I would be really like touchy about like, no, 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 like not him. But that's one of those areas where I realized like he actually, for him, it's like this kind of outlier activity that he's done three times in his life. It doesn't have all this, all these hangups around it. Right. But then like, you know, there was a Christmas where like, uh, Adventures in Odyssey was put on his iPad. And that was, I was conflicted about that because I, I have a lot of fond memories of Adventures in Odyssey, but I'm also like, you know what? Um, my kid doesn't need to be listening to James Dobson's uh, values. Like, I don't need like the right wing 1980s Christian <laughs> programming. Yeah. There's so um, much, there's so many options for kids. Maybe not. That one. Exactly. It's just it's it's like you know, um, kids podcast now, man. That's I'm only just getting familiar with some of them, but there's like a lot of like great story driven kids podcasts now. I can't yeah. give you any. I just you know he he finds them on his own, and like I mean, it's just it's like yeah, I don't like I don't know if I like need you like absorbing this about like Connie Kendall's friend why like getting an abortion ruined her life you know like that's maybe not <laughs> the messaging that i like you know, is, that is, that, is that an actual do they actually t- broach the subject of abortion in adventures and odyssey oh yeah oh for sure i mean it's a lot more i haven't listened to it in years but like when sure. i think back on it, it it's a lot more overtly political than i realized as a kid like there's a whole episode about this might be its own Going down Adventures in Odyssey might be its own podcast, but like yeah, there's yeah. episodes about <laughs> like how the anti-war movement in the '60s was like bullshit, and like you know, it's <laughs> it's, it's like really overtly. Jesus political. is just kidding when he said, "Turn the other cheek." So yeah. let's try it. 
but no, like, yeah, I, I, I've, I've got a great family and like, there's, there's a big spectrum of belief in my family as far as where everyone is kind of landed, uh, in their own relationship to Christianity. You know, um, my parents are still very religious and, uh, guys, if you listen to this, I love you very much. So this is just, <laughs> it just, I it love you too. <laughs> Sam and Casey love you guys very much also. And you know, it, it, it works for some people. It did not take for me. It's always amazing to me when you think about like how consequential all of this stuff is, how inundated you were with it when you were younger, how how big of a role people profess to it playing in their lives. It, it's amazing to me like how seldom people talk about it with you. Hmm. Like especially you know, as you get older and they, you know, people realize you're not really a part of the church. Like I have one friend that has talked to me about Christianity and wanted to just, you know, discuss it and stuff. And he's, he's one of my favorite people in the world. If there's a person I don't mind talking about any of that stuff with, it's him, but um, that's it. Mm-hmm. Nobody else tries to talk to me about it. I mean, it's supposedly like the most important and most consequential thing in 70% of the people I know's lives. Right. And it's, it's never a conversation. You know, they'll bring up controversial political things and want to argue about those and try to convince you of that and stuff, but never, it's almost, I, I feel like religion is, is a thing that was so, it was seldom talked about outside of church for some mm-hmm. reason. It just, there was no like ongoing discussion of like, well, what do you think this means? Or what does this mean to you? Or what's, you know, how do you feel about this? Where do you think God's leading you and stuff? It's, it was non-existent outside of a couple of people, you know? And it's so strange that that's the case. I I think what stands out about what you just said is that most people I know, like, I mean, we have this conversation with people in our discord all the time is that most people who, who have drifted away and their families or their parents know they have there. No one starts that conversation and goes, listen, it's obvious to me that you're drifting away from this. I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear where you're at. Mm. It's no one's having that. Like almost everyone it feels like is like they're drifting away. They don't want to have that conversation with their parents. And then their family gatherings are filled with little like, well, why don't we all say grace before the meal? And they like make direct eye contact with you. They ask like, or they'll say things to you like, you know, you'll, you'll go, yeah, this is what's going on in my life. Like, well, have you prayed about it? And like, Mm -hmm. but they know where you stand and they're just kind of fishing and it just passive aggressive. Yeah. It feels like there's that, that game happening all the time as a, and I, to be, I don't want to just like, I don't know. I don't want to put the weight of it all on, you know, Christian parents whose kids have defected. I think that's kind of like just a human thing in general is like not broaching difficult subjects specifically, but ironically you, you said most of these people don't have a problem bringing up awkward and difficult political topics that people have heated debates over. So like, Something there's something more sensitive and difficult about having that conversation about because maybe they don't think that your eternity is fucked because your political ideology has changed. But just hearing the words "I'm not a Christian anymore" might be really difficult for parents. I don't know. It's, well, they it just, is very they pray about you behind their behind your back. You know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, 
I, I think that is really interesting because I, I don't, I had never thought of it that way, to be honest, but I think that maybe there's a part of what you're saying where even incredibly devoutly religious people who believe every word of the Bible with every bit of their being, that there's an intuitive understanding that if they're to debate it with a non-believer or to, you know, try to convince you of it, you're debating like these complete hypotheticals, right? And if your worldview, like your meaning me and you guys, if you're not already of a mindset where you are working backwards from this has to be true, I have to rationalize this and make this all literally true. It, I, how do you convince somebody of these ideas or these things that are improbable, you know, improbable at best and, and completely impossible to prove. And it's not like there are, you meet friends and like people who are from different backgrounds or of different sets of belief or non-belief. And then people do like to get into conversations where they're discussing these deep and heavy topics, but it's like, that's a completely different uh, context of it where it's like, I can hear what you believe and take what I like and throw out, you know, what works for me and you can take or leave it. But the stakes are completely different. If it's just like, I'm saved and you're going to hell. So good luck with that. (laughs) You know, I almost wonder if in some ways and, you know, blanket statements about huge groups of people, but I wonder if for some people it's almost like it's a protective measure for their own belief system. Like not that they think, you're going to make an argument that's going to convince them of evolution or whatever, you know, but I almost wonder if sometimes it's kind of like they're walking on a, on a narrow ledge and it's, and like jumping into those topics is like looking down, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. like I don't, you know, maybe those people, maybe there's, I could see at least in myself, I could see like thinking to myself, I think there are some cracks in my belief system in this that could be exposed and worsened if I jump into this discussion with somebody who may know more about it than me or may have good arguments against it. Like, I don't, I just, maybe I should just keep it to myself and not examine those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think some of it, I I think that can be the case. It's funny because I I think back on the things that changed me the most uh, and it was like, good conversations with people I trusted who just asked me good questions as compared to the conversations I had with people where I thought they were drifting away from Christianity in my late teens, early twenties, where I was trying to bring them back in by having conversations with them and like asking them a question solely so I could respond to it with something that was clearly going to prove to them that I was right. And then they would just, the, 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 the thoughtful people who I would have these conversations with would, would respond to me with just question. Well, why do you, why do you think this or that? And now, or if I was to believe that it would require X, Y, and Z, like in your, and I was like, in the moment I, I walked away thinking like, I think I said a lot of really good things right there. But then down the road, I look back on those conversations as the ones that I never stopped thinking about. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones where like, Holy shit. Like you asked me a question in, that was the first time I was presented with this concept that there is no real good, no good answer to. Um, and you either choose to, you know, go one way and, and believe 
in what you've always believed or you, or you don't, but they were kind of just presented the crossroads and then just walked away from it. And Mm -hmm. they weren't trying, it didn't, the victory for them wasn't even to make me think about it. The victory wasn't to make me uh, change my mind. All they were doing because they were genuinely good people who loved me were trying to just make sure that like, just, it was important to them that I was honest with myself and, and was the best version of myself and believed what I believed uh, for real good reasons. And if that was something different than what they believed, they didn't care. And that's not mm-hmm. the perspective I came. That's what, that's what moved me. And those are the ones that stick with me. I think people are more in, I think is, is generally speaking, I think a lot of people feel much more firmly grounded in their political outlook on the world than they do on these topics. Like it's easy to, it's easier to fully subscribe and believe in like the, you know, one of two political ideologies that people are allowed to entertain nowadays than it is to, you know, fully deeply and, and wholeheartedly commit to some of these really abstract ideas that are, you know, somewhat of a house of cards in some ways, you know? Yeah. It's, I think it's like the people that do come into your life and are able to kind of broaden your horizons without judgment, man, like you're so fortunate when you get that. And when you're, Mm -hmm. when you, and when you're a young Christian, you could be wound so tight about this stuff, you know, and it's really, really nice that there are people that kind of are gentle, you know, and, and, and I think like if I could go back in time and um, give myself any advice, like after getting out of the church, it would be to calm down about, cause I, I like only, I like basically took the attitude that I had, as a hardcore born again Christian and just transferred it over to like, Oh, I, I'm the one who's like found the holes in this. And now I've got to be super obnoxious about it all the time. (laughs) You know, uh, was, was like pretty evangelical about like being non-religious for a long time, but it's really, it's really actually kind of, it's a bizarre thing. Like, I mean, like you were saying, Casey, it's like, you know, can debate matters of like policy or morals with people, but it's actually kind of a bizarre thing for me or anybody to care what somebody's individual spiritual outlook or lack thereof is. It's, it's, it's just, it just like, why? (laughs) It's like, I mean, and using the drug metaphor again, it's kind of like, it's like being mad that somebody isn't on the exact same drugs as me. It's like life is weird (laughs) and neither of us probably have it completely figured out. And if I'm pushing my interpretation of what I'm seeing on you too hard, I, I might be a little bit of an asshole, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. I love that. Yeah. I want to get into, uh, before we, have to wrap up here. I want to get into your comedy, your, your jump into the comedy world and and what, what's going on there. Oh yeah, sure. Well, this, I, I mean, this has all been, uh, directly pulled from the material. These it's, I'm, I'm not doing jokes so much as just long winded rambling anecdotes about (laughs) deconstructing (laughs) my Christian past. So you should really, Yes. Well, uh, oh, yeah. I've got a little. I've got a little toy Hummer, 
and uh, <laughs> pass them around to everybody in the audience. And I go, now imagine if this was as big as a real big boy car. Um, <laughs> I'd stream that. <laughs> uh, yeah, comedy. Uh, there's a, a very alive and well comedy scene out here in the Bay Area. Um, and I say it's alive and well, but actually everything is a little bit shut down right now. Uh, but um, I don't know if people want to uh, check out uh, shows that I'm involved with. I, I run a, uh, a weekly show out of a bookstore out here in Oakland every Friday called Night Owl Comedy. And um, is this? I saw that on your Instagram page. I, I was interested to hear about that. So was it this? This, this is a fairly new thing for you, right? Uh, the show itself. Yeah, like kind of starting your comedy night at this. Uh, the co- starting this yeah, the, sh- the bookstore. Yeah, the show's a few months old, and um, okay. and then we you know we closed it down for January, but uh, you know God willing, we will have a show in February. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I was like drifting into plugs, and I don't know if 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 that. Oh no, man, by all means, yeah, um, no, we plug whatever you want. But I'm also I I do want to like I'm actually curious. I we have a little bit of time before yeah, we have some plugs. Let's take a few minutes just to hear some of your your story on that. Like you, when did you kind of decide that you wanted to give comedy? A show? That's like a bold move, man. You know, Casey's tried stand up before, and it hasn't gone great. And Brutal. he's a funny guy. So yeah. it's a, it's a bold move. Like there's like translating humor to stage to a broad audience. It's um, I, I'm curious as to when you made that, that, that jump. Sure. I gotta, I gotta really tighten up, up my explanation of sourdough. That's where my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I love the idea that you did that in an open mic and it didn't work, but you're like, I'm gonna find a place for the sourdough riff. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think my, Sorry, it said lost connection. It says I'm still recording. Uh, okay, cool. Sorry. Yeah, I lost connection for a second, I think. But we're good. Um, so, like, yeah, comedy was always something that uh, I really loved. And when I was a kid, I, I, I wanted to do it, but I didn't understand that it was a thing that, you know, you could just – go to a place where there's an open mic and try. And I didn't really realize that until I was in kind of my mid to late twenties. And at that point I've been writing what, what I thought were jokes in my phone for the last like two years and kind of all my early material was actually about being a homeschooled Christian kid. And now I, none of it is like I, like I, I I I think that like I thought that that was something I thought that that I felt so odd in the world for so long that mm-hmm. I thought that that was something that was immediately apparent about me that I would like surely people are going to be like what's this antisocial weirdo talking to us about so i thought i had to like address all these very specific things that i did not need to address um but yeah i mean uh once i kind of got that part of it out of my system i just you know caught the caught the kind of like addictive bug that is stand-up comedy and have been doing it in some shape or form 
ever since then. And uh, on any given day, it's my favorite thing in the world and an art form that I absolutely adore or something that I uh, hate completely. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a very it's a very toxic and long term relationship. <laughs> so you were it's awful like to get up there with things that you think like in your head you're like this is this is good like this is this is gonna people are gonna love this yeah. and to just do it to silence yeah. is the worst most like exposed vulnerable awful feeling you know just to like walk off the stage having made no one laugh and you know, it, the learning really curve funny. seems rough it's really funny and like even like once you get okay at it or good at it it's like sometimes it's just not your night and like i mean i think like a little too much hay has been made about the like kind of psychology or pathology of comedians and uh, but but like i do think there is something to like there is some sort of damage to a person who is willing to go through that feeling again and again and again because sometimes it doesn't go that way <laughs> it's like gambling yeah. like gambling addicts you're yes. basically a gambling addict totally. <laughs> to start and then you when you get good at it, it and you have more good nights than bad and it starts to shift the other now of course some people might i you all, you hear those stories of comics who are like yeah I, I did this a lot and then before i bombed for the first time and you're like that's ridiculous like but yeah. That's not most people's experience. You know, the first you get up there, you you try out these jokes for the first time in front of people, and God damn, it feels like a rush. I I've I've da- I've like toyed with the idea for a while. My wife's always like, "Whatever you do, don't do it anywhere near here where people we know are going to be." That's amazing. Like, don't tell people you're doing it. I don't want our friends there. I don't want our family to know anything about it. <laughs> you you won't either, though, man. Like the because like that's like the worst feeling in oh, the yeah. world is when people are like, "Oh, I'm coming to your show," and I'm just like, "Oh, oh yeah. I really like it a oh, lot better oh, yeah. when it's people that I've never met and will never see again." That's exactly. We were talking to uh, Nick Thune last night, uh-huh. and he's like, "Yeah, I, I left Seattle and moved to LA so that I could do comedy to people I I might never see again." Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited to listen to that episode. I I I I had like a vague awareness that he had this background too, but that'll be yeah. This is it's pretty Christian. It's fun. <laughs> I love it. That's my favorite thing about this. Is like I love learning about people who um who grew up christian that you might not suspect like one of the things we've run into uh, is um occasionally you reach out to somebody you know they grew up christian um and you the response you get back is look i it sounds it sounds neat but like i i don't talk about this stuff uh-huh. like I, it's not and, and you know, some of that has to, depending on the type of artist it is, like, it, you know, it has to do with them, like not wanting to alienate some of their audience. If they, especially mm-hmm. if they think they have a good, um, sizable Christian audience, sure. they're not over there, like wanting to talk about it in a way that might hurt some of their audience or their career. They, they didn't Come make their on, career talking about no. Christian things, but I know I'm always <laughs> like, I don't know how you can not talk about these things. Like to me, it's the most interesting thing about people. Like, tell me you're still a full blown born again christian and that's still fine i don't really care i just want to talk to i just like talking to people who went through the experience and if they 
stayed in it or found their way back into it that's still just an interesting twist to talk about that's even more interesting yeah just, I, that's all we're trying to do here and i love it this is uh, a thread that was dangling from way back in the conversation but i was curious when we were talking about christian music um if you guys have ever attempted to have david bazan on the show of pedro the lion yeah, I actually have not. Um, uh, yeah. I, he's someone that's been on my mind. He's come up a lot. Uh, I, I that, think people would love to hear from him, but I man, haven't actually I'm reached out to him. Of, I'm a huge fan of his music, and and uh, and that was that was the first Christian band that I heard that it like resonated with me just as music because mm-hmm. it wasn't praise music. It was like the the uh, inner monologue of a struggling Christian. Yeah. Which I feel like it's so much more relatable than just being like psyched <laughs> about <laughs> God all the time. <laughs> With uh, the flashing lights and the fog machines. and <laughs> But that's fun Endlessly too. repeated, pr- we will praise him lyrics. Full gemstone. <laughs> take, it, take it easy. <laughs> so where can people find your uh, your comedy and where can they follow you? Sure. Um, best way to uh, see me do comedy is uh, at Walker JF Glenn, uh, two N's. And that's my handle on Instagram and Twitter. And I throw bits up there. Uh, if people want to see the meth to Jesus pipeline bit, that's on there. <laughs> um, and yeah, and that's also, you know, obviously where any shows or projects, uh, have a have a podcast in the works right now so when that is Uh dropping we'll be talking about it on there and uh yeah that's that's the place for all things walker glenn or glenn walker i don't know why i'm promoting (laughs) i don't know why i'm promoting that but you know well when your podcast uh drops man you'll have to let us know we'll definitely plug it out throw it out there promote it a little bit for you much appreciated for that yeah of course do you have an idea of when you're going to start putting some episodes out or is this just kind of coming together now? We're recording. It's so it's, it's possibly the most insular thing that could exist. It's my brother and I doing a podcast about Radiohead because it's basically, okay. and it's, I think it's like that moment that everyone has, who has a podcast has had where you're just like, wow, we keep having this same conversation a lot. Yep. We might as well, we might as well make this bankable content. And it's like, <laughs> Me and my brother have been having the same goddamn conversation about how much we like Radiohead for the last decade. It's like surely some asshole wants to listen to that. <laughs> it's just going to be episode after episode of like, hey, I still really like this band. Hey, yeah. I still really like this band too. Hey, we have all the same reference points because <laughs> we grew up in the same house. Was <laughs> Radiohead same in your house? I didn't get into they were Radiohead was a was a I think a, something I found as a grown up that made me feel smart and cool. So that's yeah. probably <laughs> I think they would have been, probably. Radiohead feels pretty okay. I don't know, they might have been like, what's this song about climate change? <laughs> that's being, not real. Yeah. Being a creep or a weirdo. Yeah. Unless, oh. unless you're a creep or a weirdo for Christ, I'm not having yeah. it. You think God can't see you being a creep? Yeah, <laughs> man well it's been great meeting you and yeah, uh, yeah, thank you so guys. much for coming on yeah thank you so much for having me this yeah was a blast. this is great 
Thanks so much, man. Thanks, y'all. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.